Welcome back to liveanimated.com. Let's learn something new. I have a very special guest with me tonight. I've worked with this guy many, many moons ago, Jeff Jumper. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining me here. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. So you have a unique story. Uh, we talked a couple of days ago, um, and you were telling me a little bit about like your, your industry experience. I hope that we're able to touch on a lot of things, because I think your story is unique from a lot of other people that I've talked to. Um, because you have a lot of trials that you've been going through within the industry that I think is important for people to know about. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's lots you can learn, I'm sure, uh, as you're trying to get in the industry. Um, I guess where I came from, getting my foot in the door, you know, with Interplay, uh, I got in as a designer. So I know the whole time I was trying to become an artist there, mm, you know, and then you're working okay. your way through at that point. Yeah. So I was just happy to be in there. But, you know, as things were going with Interplay, they were slowly sliding out. Yeah. And I was getting sort of chances, but in the end, they went under, yeah. right, when I was supposed to work on, like, yeah. Earthworm Gym or something, you know what I mean? And that's where we met. So I, I met you right. I met you there. Right at the end of the marketing stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So that was different times. We'll definitely touch on that more, I'm sure. Uh, but what we're going to do first is, uh, what we like to do is we like to look at where a person is currently working yeah. or what they're doing and then how they do with their day-to-day. -day. So it looks like... Um, you're, you've taken the entrepreneur route, you have your own company, you're doing freelance. Uh, what is your day-to-day -day like? Uh, it sounds like you're your own boss, you get to create your own schedules, your, your everything, but what do you do every day? Sure, yeah, that's not easy actually, because uh, I have a family uh, and have young kids. So part of my day is spent, because I work at home, sort of relied on for that emergency, the kids are off school or they're sick, so I'm kind of there for that. Um, but other than that, your schedule has pretty much got to be disciplined um, when I get a chance to work, which is usually later. You, know, you work those hours um, that you need to. Of course, if you have a deadline, you're meeting deadlines, working whatever hours you need to. But I pretty much spend my early part of the day, those few hours uh, when businesses are still open, contacting them, sending out stuff, looking for jobs, um, seeing what's available. Then that night, I go to approach my resume and changing it if I need to, to uh, fit that job, get my portfolio ready for that by having pieces that apply to that job, you know, that would fit with that company. Um, and pretty much from there, you know, that's your day. If I don't have anything to send in for, then it's personal work. I love to do personal work. I think we all do when we're working for other people. Sometimes that stuff isn't the coolest jobs. Um, so personal work's my other thing that I love doing, spending time on and learning, uh, constantly learning, seeing what's going on in the industry currently, see how other people work, see how I can improve how I work. Always want to work a little faster as well. Um, you know, I don't want every painting to look polished. I'd rather some of them look pretty rough and loose and be ideas. How so. many clients uh, do you do at one time or do you have at one time for your company? Um, I mean, when they come in, I kind of, uh, it seems to always work when it rains and pours kind of thing. So right. feast and famine, I have, I won't get work for a month maybe. And then three people call me up all around the same time. And I try to juggle them basically. You know, I want to kind of do and please everybody. So try to work them each as I can um, without them jumping on each other. Um, of course, do the easier stuff, you know, faster maybe. So I take that first. Um, but sounds you, like there's a lot of discipline behind to be able to, oh, sure. to do that and manage it all. Yeah, there is. There, there constantly is. Uh, because, like I said, your personal life comes into play too. Um, but, you know, we love this stuff. So it's kind of a passion. You know, you really don't regret it when you go back to the studio and go, what am I going to do right now? You know, I'm jump right on it. That's pretty cool. So... Um, with a lot of the illustrative work that you do in here, it says that you did, you know, web design art, art direction. Did you outsource? Do you outsource some of the things if it's too much or is something that you really want to keep 
underneath your fold of like your company, but you're like, hey, maybe I should hire this guy to help me out, or right. or do you try to do it all by yourself? No, I mean I do not code, so I like to do the front end of a site. Um, I love designing and sort of stretching out that information and making it easy for someone to understand. Because I, I don't think I'm the most sophisticated. Um, web savvy person actually well, programming so, is hard man programming is. is hard yeah yeah so i leave that to somebody else yeah but i do like to make it so it's an easy functional site for somebody to use somebody who isn't really even that savvy of how to use a site mm -hmm. um i remember like when we were in play everything was animated mm -hmm. and we kind of got away from that and things have gotten back to like a more basic site it seems nowadays mm -hmm. so i'll use you know wix design sites sometimes because they're pre-built they're easy to do for some clients um otherwise i will get a coder and i'll design it and then have a coder do the back end mm. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's go back in time. We're going to go back in time right now. Back to 1985. Boy. You went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh. Um, I was there in a different <laughs> year, but we both have the same alma mater, which is awesome. That is awesome. Um, so you were telling me a moment ago, like, how it was so different than, you know, this is like, those, uh, I don't know, math. Let me see, 30 years? 30 maybe 30 some years ago yeah almost? yeah don't don't tell everybody <laughs> <laughs> so Free um computer how was it how was school then i mean like it seems like yeah computers weren't as big as they were the 3d programs uh, that we use now literally didn't exist yet right completely different everything was done by hand i mean newspapers magazines were built by hand you know everything was mm -hmm. set up in a letter set machine fonts were laid out into a thing where it was printed and it was kind of cool, actually, because everything was done by hand. Um, and there was a lot of illustration work back then. I mean, it was really it was a different tool set that you had to work tool with. Different right. And really quickly, like the year I was there, we got a computer in, Apple IIe. Very basic. Wow. I mean, you couldn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. um, a spray can had to just did a splatter brush, a brick pattern, you know, and we had a class in it. We were told it was going to be the future and it was going to change everything we did. And it took about five or six years for it to really get in there and take away production work really completely the way it used to be done did you find that people were reluctant because this is when computers are just coming into changing the job for for yourself when you were in it did, did were people reluctant at that time like this isn't gonna work we're gonna the keep students, it this way or i don't even think we were thinking that deeply about it like oh, wow. we didn't realize how much it would impact we were told it would but um you know the 80s we were just kind of it was still in a lot of illustration work was being done and photography work but it was still we weren't thinking it was going to do what it probably did you know there were certain people i'm sure who thought oh yeah this is me but i know as a traditional illustrator i wasn't thinking i'm going to use a computer in five years or ten years i was really traditional you know painting watercolors oils pencils and just didn't foresee myself getting to that or even the program allowing that right because it didn't what i saw was like oh, this will take 30 years before i'm going to paint on it but it progressed so fast. Photoshop came along, right? At, at what point? So what did you have? You just had like what I guess the equivalent of paint or painter would be um, when you get your first computer and you you know you just have the the paint uh, program. Is that kind of like how that was when you well, had even it? that? It literally was five tools and sort of a, a box you could draw on. You know, a canvas. Okay. And literally five tools. Like I said, a splatter brush, a wow. chalkboard, a, a pattern that was brick. And really, you could just, in some font, maybe, I think it was. Um, so you could almost create a graffiti wall. So <laughs> that's about you, it. So with that limited uh, resource of what it could do at the time, 
was it actually being used in production or was it no. just to get you guys acclimated to like, hey, this is what's coming down the line? Right. I think at that point, I mean, maybe it was. We weren't being taught anything specific at that you point. You had to learn it by yourself, right? I mean, there weren't teachers at that time. Like, I mean, someone showed you what the buttons do, but yeah. I can't imagine you guys had a teacher who was like, I've done this for Correct. Years. Right. And what, the, what they walked us through was a simple little painting doing the five little brushes they had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and just being told, worn out, this will be coming in. You better like keep up with it, sort of. Mm, okay. But it was so basic at that point. It wasn't even in our, we didn't have really even, it was more of a class to get you introduced to like, this is what's coming up. More than like, here's a project we're going to work out of this program. Because mm. it just wasn't even there yet. You know, wow. it really was like one of the first usable ones. I'm sure somebody on a professional level was probably using it to do something, mm-hmm. but they weren't teaching us that yet. Right. You know? So what was what were your classes like uh, for illustration and design? Because I know right. they still offer illustration and design courses there right. at Art Institute. So what what were some of the things that you had outside of like art history and, and so on? Um, they were figure you know, a lot of figure study drawings back then um, from some pretty famous guy too. I had Mr. Course, I believe was his name. Really great figure drawer. Um, and everything was geared toward illustration, toward advertising. Mm. So, I mean, it was you, all your projects were, you could gear them however you wanted. If you're a photographer, you do do a photographer, but design an ad for, you know, uh, Nordstrom's or something, you know what I mean? Um, but since I was an illustrator, I would always illustrate that cover instead. Um, so you kind of did what was your strength. You know, if you're a graphic guy, you would turn that into a graphic. But everything was pointed toward illustration, photography, graphics in some way at that period. Mm. There still wasn't any computer digital work, so we didn't have to worry about it. So it was all catered toward that. Or if you wanted to be a creative director, you were designing these things, you know, um, if you wanted to go that route. So it was very much like uh, Mad Men. Did you ever watch that yeah. show? Oh, yeah. It was very much the bit. Yeah, you were either creative or you were an artist. There wow. was kind of two different guys and a production artist, I guess, yeah. back then. You know, That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what were some of the – I know it was school, but when I went to school there, like they did – uh, kind of focused on teams and like working with other people. Was that still a focus that you guys had in like working together or was it just focused on your core strengths, build up yourself? It was more individual. Yeah, it was more, more individual. I think right. you started getting into a phase where um, things were more group. For us back then still, it was really individual, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't remember ever working on a team, even projects we had as a group. Um, it was just you and a buddy if you wanted to do a slideshow with a, you know, yeah. <laughs> a soundtrack wow. to it or something. Wow, wow. You know, it was still an old school kind of, you know, traditional artist venue back then. Have you been back to visit or to I'd see gone, where the school is? I, you know, I checked out the one here. We okay. had um, in Orange County uh, for a while that I, they've gone under now though, right? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little disheartening to me, me too. being an alum, you know, right. and it makes me feel like, you know, a lot of some of the reason behind why I'm doing what I'm doing with this is because I want to be able to give back for those individuals who were kind of hit by this. I know that they made it where if you were affected, they would allow you to finish your credits out at another school, but everybody's not going to have the opportunity to go across the country to go to another school, especially if you're a student. And it dislocates you from your studies and everything you're doing. Exactly. It just throws your mindset way off. Yeah. But the one in Pittsburgh, I believe, is still there. That's good. I love that building. I mean, that was one of the first ones too, right? Well, that's different. The building has changed. So that was the the difference. Um, When I was there... Uh, I think in my second year is when they they actually moved into a large building near the Hershey's right, building. Right, I was in the old building that had uh, they still the like you pulled the elevator shut and it pulled. Yeah, up. yeah, I was <laughs> in that one. I was in that one. That's right, crazy. it was a cool old building. It was a cool old building. Uh, it was a beautiful place to actually. A school was nice. I mean, I loved going down to the Metro Point there. Yeah, Pittsburgh was a really cool city. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Uh, I haven't been back there in a long time, but Me I know either. it's. I know it's. Uh, they're still doing really well. That's good. So a lot of my teachers that. are still there actually teaching oh, too. It's crazy. That's great. I'm glad to hear that. So let's go back to uh, freelance. 1992. Let's see. You you got out of school in right. 88. 
and then 92. So what was, what was, there was a, a time period in there where you didn't go right into working or you, you know, didn't. I did. I just haven't put it on the resume because it's kind of old. Oh, stuff. okay, okay. So I was trying to clip All that stuff's important, man. But yeah, I worked, uh, my first job out of college was with a place called Advertising Illustration Studios, Advertising Art Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Worked there for a year and a couple other Pittsburgh alumni was over there. Um, a guy named Waku Killer Illustration, uh, airbrush artist, mm-hmm. did product illustrations for this company. And tell you how times have changed. This was an illustration company that hired nothing but illustrators, uh, a typist who wrote personal calligraphy type lettering, a guy who did 3D work, um, another person who did environmental stuff, and I was hired to kind of do figures because I was pretty good at figures at the point. Um, and so we all had a little basis of something. It was just a house full of illustrators, you know, getting hired. I don't even know if those exist anymore, right? Wow, because yeah. it was just a different time. Hmm. What came along was like stock art, clip art, and photography, it just became a cheap avenue to do advertising, and it killed sort of the illustration business, in my opinion. You know, those Did you get into any of that? I've, uh, actually, someone brought that up to me. I was doing some silhouettes at work, and they are like, dude, this is like clip art. And I was like, oh, my God, I didn't think about that as a revenue stream. <laughs> but did right. you get into any of that? I haven't, you know, I should have taken, because I've done a lot of those things, a lot of iconic stuff, um, you know, iconic imagery, black and white imagery, yeah. graphics. Um, but no, I should have taken those, and I should. I keep thinking, like, I gotta start putting stuff on mugs or whatever I can. To, I think they still. You know? I think it's still very lucrative even today sure. to do clip art and stuff because every, when you do a Google search, clip art is the art that is uh, is kind of simplistic. I mean, it can be as detailed as you want it, but it's always the same images. And I think people are constantly looking for new art, and they're paying like crazy That's to true. get new art. Yeah, I'm know? sure they are because you do see the same stuff, and yeah. they get it's generic. So if you get stuck using that on your brochure, yeah. someone else is like, using it. They got this from such and such. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It can cheapen your look. So I think yeah. it's always good to get you know, personal work if you can get it. That's pretty cool. So All right. so from there, that company, you know, I ended up working and moving back to my hometown. Okay. Working for a different company. Wait, called wait, wait. So where you, your hometown, where are you? Are oh, you from Wisconsin? Are you I'm, from Pittsburgh? Or? I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, okay, so you're Carlisle, from Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. It's okay. near, near the capital of Harrisburg. Okay. So I went back to Carlisle. Got a job, had a job there. They were teased me to come back. Um, and I went back. Uh, kind of missed home. It was my first job out of college. So I think I was just like homesick. Yeah. Went back, worked there for a couple years. Um, and it worked out for a while. It was cheaper living. I live in a home, back with my girlfriend. All these things seemed cool. Um, but then a couple years later, I was like, oh, unfulfilled. You know, right? I'm, I'm, this work wasn't doing it for me. The whole time I had friends from California calling me up. You got to come out. You got to come out. Orange County's booming. Uh, and eventually I came out here. That's pretty cool. And that started so, in 1992. That's kind of where this leads up yeah, to. Yeah, 1992. So it looks like, so you came out here and you went right into freelance. So did you come out here with a job already lined up or any no, leads already lined up? Or I, did you just travel I had here? leads because my friends who were from the Art Institute came out. One of them uh, was successful, done well as a creative art director, okay. was working with some companies and said, hey, I can throw you some illustration work, um, storyboards, whatever, we, whatever, we, to keep you alive, basically. So I went for it. I came out and he did me well you know I mean he was throwing me work and I had a couple other friends that ended up getting being creative directors as well like I said you either were a creative art director mm-hmm. or you were an illustrator mm-hmm. so my buddies mostly fell into those lines and I was kind of the only illustrator out of the group so they kept me alive basically my first couple of years um thank god you know that's <laughs> good me that's some good. work here and there experience as well that I gained from it all you know so that's it, was, awesome. it was great so uh for what you did for the first part it says like uh, commercial illustration comic book artist art direction graphic art logo design um that's a lot that's a lot of different things right yeah. uh, it's not just Maybe one thing so that all falls under illustration but so when it comes to the comic book artists were you doing the inking were you doing the actual layout and of the panels like uh to what degree were you doing some of the stuff because i'm pretty sure all this helps out as we start to learn more about you know the path and the journey you've been on 
well, the comic book art really came later, actually, the last a couple of years back. Um, you know, I fell into that. You know, as an artist, you think, oh, what would I want to do? You know, where should I fall? And I wanted to either work in gaming or maybe comic books, something, you know, enjoyable, fun for me. Uh, and so when gaming came along, I jumped on that. And, of course, I worked my way into the industry. And then it just fell into my lap of comic book, and I took it. Uh, okay, so during this position, you didn't know video games was what you wanted to get into or what you wanted to, like, pursue. Right, I mean, I was still so early on, even in the gaming, the way gaming was developed in yeah. 84 was a totally different gaming experience. So I kind of wasn't even aware of those jobs. It was really, Art Institute wasn't talking about those kind of jobs. Mm -hmm. So I came out um, not knowing. Mm -hmm. If I would have known better, or I would have gone for this concept type stuff right off the bat you know what mm -hmm. i mean because it's actually what i was doing right. just didn't realize there was jobs for it you know yeah that's true i mean like in 92 to 97 i mean what was that playstation was out but before playstation used to had a lot of sega games you had a lot of the 8-bit games which is different than your skill set from illustration um but i do know a lot of those games back in the day they would have very elaborate backgrounds that would scroll with the game right so what caught your eye or what at this time were you thinking games or movies or when did when were you like that is what I want to go into? Uh, you know, game. I've always loved games, always played them. Um, so there was always a fascination with that. I think as a traditional artist, I didn't see how I fit into a digital background, you know. But as games started looking more and more realistic, I started seeing them as like I was fascinated. Like, how are they doing that? Basically, how are they marrying the art with the engineering that makes this stuff move? What you do? Uh, so really, it was a fascination of technology. Like, as it grew and as I saw the computer growing, I kept up with it going, what is this? How does this work? Basically tinkering with it. And you find yourself, you know, just involved. Um, and so it was really a fascination with, with the beauty of the games. That's all I can say. Want to know how it was going. Always had to see the next screen to see what they did with it. It's a fascination with the art. What games were you playing at that time? 1992 was uh, oh boy. a very important year. I think PlayStation had everything on unlocked i want to say um 97 so 97 i was i don't want to date myself i want to date myself but playstation i think xbox was just was just being talked about coming out because microsoft probably announced it um because the xbox didn't come out until like probably 99 almost 2000 yeah, i think I remember, uh, like when i first got into my first job engaged games it was in 64 was just coming out yeah that was, that was huge the, that was really inspiring that's true in 64 was really big because that's what in college that's what people were playing we were playing wrestlemania on it right mario we were playing Turok. yeah mario kart all that stuff <laughs> yeah, was very popular that's awesome yeah so do you recall anything you were playing that made you that made you go like you know this this is the game but like what game did you love playing growing up man i mean um at the arcade. Outside like, of Mario. Out arcade. I mean, okay. You realize okay. I started out of the arcade. Yeah, yeah. So it was like Defender, Galaxian, uh, Galaga, uh, Space Invaders, you know what I mean? Asteroids. Those were all kind of the ones that the mainstays joust. Pow. I mean, yeah. Pac-Man. I mean, yeah. you know, I remember so many times going to eat pizza and playing Pac-Man, you know, for hours. Throwing those quarters down. Um, you know, and it was right around my 10th, 11th, 12th grade year. So it was just when you're, what are we going to do tonight? There was something to do, you know, because it's a boring little town. That's awesome. So it was Friday night for us. Um besides skating that's awesome <laughs> yeah no that's you know i think that's with the times because i remember growing when i was growing up my mom would take us to the mall and they had an arcade smoky arcade yeah 
uh, with the neon lights, and we actually went skating to the skating rink a lot too. Right, I think yeah. that was of they the were, times. I don't think people do that now. I think they do the. Heard um, skating is coming back around. You think so? I heard it was. Huh. I don't know if it's true, but I heard skating is coming around. Go to skating rink. There's actually people there. <laughs> so are those be. the right people that should be there? <laughs> I know. Right? I know. <laughs> I know. You see some of them. You can tell they've been skating for like 50 years. Like, yeah. He's got the. They got the dance. They got that, the that swagger right. about them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really. He's cool. like 70. That's funny. So, engage games online two years and six months so you went here uh from doing your your freelance job Lansing, right were you in the order did you do both of these did you do web designer and head artist at the same time or no. was one before the other no it's kind of a great story how i got into engage um, okay because again i was still a traditional artist working commercial illustration mm -hmm. work you know um and some storyboard work um and i had a friend that i met along the way um christian heil who mm -hmm. Uh, was working on a comic book, which is one of the things I want okay. to do, graphic novel. And he just needed some pieces done. So I drew some pieces for him. He ended up getting a job at Engage. They were looking for an artist, and they didn't have anybody. They were trying to design a website, and I guess they couldn't nail it down. I had never been on computer. So he said, hey, can you draw up our website, and we'll, we'll paint it up for it, and we'll paint it up. I drew up a site, a couple ideas that liked him, and then he said, hey, we'll train you to do it on computer if you come in. I said, here's my opportunity, and I'll go in. So I went in, the guys were great. Um, Matt Chenernay, a great smart guy. These guys taught me how to use a computer like within a few weeks, you know, a month. So I was able to paint <laughs> the um, front page for Engage Games Online before they come live. Tinkering along, learning how to do it, you know, trying to explore it and finalize my sketch I'd done for them, you know, for the end. And it was a, a splash page that had buttons on you, would click on it, it'd take you other places. Was that like straight up HTML at that point or? Yeah, basically right. I mean, okay. I was doing a, a front page. Okay. Those guys were doing the coding in the background. And it was, okay. like I said, it was just a splash page at that point, I believe. Um, so it was just, uh, you'd cursor over a spot, it would highlight, you click on it. And we were like the very first company to start trying to do in, uh, games online. You know, we were ahead of our time. Um, had great people there, Scott Hartsman, you know, really smart people engineering the heck out of that sh that stuff to the point where we could do it um but just the internet was too slow back then really you know was, yeah dollop was crazy man yeah we were just ahead of our time you know um and this was brian fargo's company you know part of oh okay uh, yeah it was his um stepchild whatever they call it your sister company you know so worked with him for a while on that and until they went under it just was ahead of our time and i think we just bowed out you know decided it was too soon hmm so got some experience there. Obviously designed their website, learned how to paint, mm -hmm. um, learned how to do different little spots for mm -hmm. the company. Um, got a good experience right there. Were you on a, a team with the, you said there were people who did the back end, but were you on a team of people that to do the splash page or the front end work? Right. Because I think now uh, with games, it's or not games, but websites, you have someone who can do complete front end uh, maybe just front end for user experience, the UI UX, that's mm -hmm. what that is, mm -hmm. uh, user interface and right. user experience. So were you doing both of those, designing where button placement should be, uh, what it should look like when you hover or if it's clicked? Right. Like were you doing all, did they show you how to do all of that or were right. you trying to make it visually look appealing to the viewer and then they were gonna do the rest? It was probably a combination of both. Um, back then sites were a little more simple even too. Um, they didn't get into like flash animation until a few years later. Um, so they were still almost static pages, flash pages um, that were just a static piece of art, cursor over a spot, take you to the game sort of thing. Um, wasn't real elaborate. So I would use it if it was just a cursor over thing. Yeah, I would have supplied those because it's just an on off button, depress button, on off. It was a little a slight animation just back then. Um, but we weren't doing anything crazy. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of art. It was static um, still at that point. But we worked together. I had a couple other artists um, that worked under me that 
Um, well, the cool thing is after I did that, worked there for three months, and they offered me a job as a head artist, which is oh, okay. crazy. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's where, that, that's, that's where this <clears throat> comes from, the head artist. Yeah, uh, Gage Games Online. So that was So did you get to build a team, or uh, how team far did was, that go? Uh, we hired one guy after that, and we already had one, I believe, one person there. So I think they just figured I had the most experience as an artist. You know, that's why they kind of named me that, uh, the head artist, um, because I was certainly not any better than anybody on computer at that point, right? But I could gauge good art when I saw it. So I was kind of the art director of making sure everything looked decent, the one across the board, you know. Um, and that really was my job, make sure all of our work came through, checked all the art, made sure the websites all worked. Um, not worked, but, you know, looked good. Right, right, right. Somebody functions, else's job to make yeah. sure they functioned. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was my job to make sure how they looked, how they functioned, though. Uh, you know, and same thing, we moved up to Interplay. So as head artist, I think this is your first time having more of a managerial type position. So sure. how did that work out? Like, did you have moments where you had to cater to the team, regardless of the size of the team, um, issues still arise? Like, uh, how was that as an experience? Because here you are learning, you're going to the job, you're learning a lot on the job, right. and then they're like, yo, you did a great job, we want you to do this. Like, was that intimidating at all? Like, or how yeah, did that go? It was intimidating because I felt like, wow, how do my fellow guys who just taught me how to use a computer feel about me now heading them up? You know what I mean? Because um, certainly, I, they were smarter at this. They knew more about the program. I still was going to them like, how do you cut something out? How do I, you know, not copy and paste, but how do I do some things that, you know, I maybe should have known by that point even. Um, so there was a bit of uncomfortableness to it. But I just tried to be as, you know, inclusive and as just humble as I could be because I was, right? So. Um, and as you are, you still are still <laughs> guess, very humble. Dude, I guess man. I mean there's nothing to be bragging about, right? I mean you'd just, you, you'd be surprised that some people you come across in this industry, though. Uh, but, well, I got, so. I'm still learning. I still have a lot to learn. So, yeah. and I learned so much from these people. So I was grateful. Yeah, right. So awesome. I had nothing but um, I wanted to help them as much as I could to help them become better artists. And actually, it was not hard at all. The whole thing greasy probably because these are really cool people right yeah and i think the other thing too is that you're you're probably dealing with people who are very professional with, they were especially at that time period you had to like it wasn't even about being a jack of all trades you just had to be a master in what you did right and so i think that helped out a lot with you not having to deal with a lot of the interpersonal type stuff right right so and it was a small company you know we yeah. were building up we didn't get very big really you know uh, in our department why so um we actually you know hung out together so we really clicked as a family a little yeah, bit it matters there. that right. matters that's awesome so we go up to after engage games after engage games you went to buy.com buy.com was pretty huge deal at that time almost made some money um buy.com was they had i think they had commercials and right right all over the place cool. was they were cool they were doing stuff like what was it this was like pre GoDaddy. yeah time it was period. right around yeah there was a lot of internet companies going hitting and going um public you know yeah and there was a lot of commercials that were looking very similar what i liked about the guy who ran it scott bloom did a commercial that just ran 30 seconds of blank spot black air and mm -hmm. so it caught your attention because you thought your tv went off and then it would just flash up little white text spot.com it was so cool i remember that's when awesome. we when he ran that ad we were like wow that's kind of genius you know what i mean it's, the opposite. it's like those got milk ads <laughs> it was the opposite of what everyone was doing he yeah. just said you know what i'm are we going to create another wacky commercial and be in you know dot com or are we going to do something that people are going to stop and go what the hell just happened to my tv oh that's awesome. .com. So yeah, it was a great place to work. Learned a lot there. Again, a lot of ton of smart, smart people um, building an internet superstore. Um, so it looks like you were there as a web designer. So you took from that last position the things you've learned and applied them here. Right. What about this was different? It, it says um, 
hired uh, for creative problem solving, designed, created uh, numerous websites, icons, developed banners. So what was different about this? Now you're out of your element with this cool group of people you're working with who actually helped teach you up. And like you said, they were like a family. So now you're taking all that and going somewhere new. What was the difference in going there? Yeah, that was oddly different because this was a totally technical company, right? A lot of engineers, very few people, actually a small team of web designers. Um, and really they were doing like cookie cutter kind of web design because they were really trying to make it user friendly. And in their mind, design wasn't a part of that. It had to be boxes of things, you know? Um, so I was brought in to kind of liven it up to some extent, try to make it look a little more, you know, designed, I guess. Um, and I had like certain parts that I worked on, like Mac store. They wanted the Mac store to not look cookie cutter. Mm. So I created something for that. So I got specific little stores to create that wanted to not look, you know, so mm -hmm. boring, I guess, generic. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really what I got in there. And was there like, you know, that year you see. Were you there with a team of people or were, like you said, were you hired on just to do the problem solving and, and execution of the work? Right. Basically, I did the design work. There was coders. They did all the coding still. Okay. So I never got into coding. I okay. tinkered with it for a short time and just decided I don't want to get involved. With it. it changed so much. Yeah, I mean, because it went from and I may be wrong, but it went from like the HTML to the CSS. And then from there, that's when you get all these JavaScripts, you get all these Python, all these right. new things that made it function better or made it faster. You know, Internet speed got faster. Right. So they needed all these different like APIs in the background to like make things work. So it was like fish out of water at that point, right? Right. Yeah, I tinkered with it and I thought, you know, that had a basic HTML home site that allowed you to write code and would show you mistakes. It was kind of fairly easy. And then it yeah. started to get more complicated and we had people who were so much better at it. Yeah. It took me out of my element of designing. I found that I might only design to what I knew, which I didn't want to do. You know, I actually want to design outside that box. So why have me code, a beginner code, an advanced looking website? So it was always best to hand that off to a guy who was interested in coding and pushing his boundaries. And I would do that. You know, I've designed a round website and say, figure it out, you know. Mm. Because they wanted to do a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. All right, so let's let's see. So from web designer, this interplay. So this is this is where we actually met each other. Right, right. Uh, interplay. So did you go to interplay as a web? Because the dates are the same. So did you go there as a web and print designer first, and then focus more more on two D art? Or right, I got um, you know uh, some people that worked at Engage Games Online, um, Cal Morell then started heading up a division of Interplay, mm -hmm. Interplay.com, and asked me if I would like to come over while I was at Buy.com. And of course, I want to get back in the gaming industry, actually. Um, although I liked you know, Buy.com, it was a really fun company. Young people, really hip. Um, but again, I was kind of an outsider there. Um, and so this was back into the family, sort of. So yes, took the job with Cal, left the other company, um, where was where was uh, Buy.com located? Lisa Viejo. Lisa, okay, so it was still in California. Yeah, it was okay, still close okay. by, not far or anything. Um, just not as fun of work. Obviously, right. for a guy who wants to be an artist to design websites all day, you know. Um, and so once we got uh, Cal, he offered me the job, you know, and I took it. So yeah, it was the same similar work to what I was doing with Engage Web Designs, just more of it. Obviously, we're a bigger company now, so. Uh, the games that came out, you know, were <laughs> more often mm -hmm. every few months. So, yeah, designed all the websites for those games. My buddy Bill Stout did all the coding behind them, the Flash animation. Mm -hmm. Did a really cool job. We would discuss how we want them to function mm -hmm. together. Um, or I would just show him, like, maybe this could do that. Or sometimes I'd give him something. He would know what to do with it, you know, after a couple of years. You know, we didn't even have to talk to each other. So, yeah, and then eventually um, 
got to do some sort of marketing stuff, illustration work, you know, um, was really how I started finding getting my foot into what I really wanted to do. Um, how was the marketing different from um, everything else that you've already encountered at the studio? Um, like as far as like as far as like uh, was it different in how you had to create the art or because I know for marketing now you have like crazy aspect ratios for everything because it needs to be blown up or shrunken right. down or yeah. so what was what were some of the things with uh, getting into the more of the marketing side that uh, interested you? Um, well, I mean, I always want to do art you know, illustration work, so, or some kind of concept work, you know what I mean? So I was constantly saying, hey, is there anything I could do, anything I can do? Mm. And I think as we had at one point our whole marketing department and they started laying people off. Mm. And I think they really just got in a bind on like, who do we got here? And oh yeah, Jeff, Jeff keeps asking to do stuff. So brought it to me, can you do this? And this was still like, I mean, the company was doing fairly well still. This was still, I think Fallout 2. So a year or so before we were starting to really hurt. Um, that was was that still considered like the snowblind stuff too when you were there, right? I think so. Yeah, I mean, Monolith, all the big companies were still there when I started to get a chance. Okay. Uh, you know, they were still under the umbrella. Yeah, um, everybody was still there. Okay. It was just starting to like the word though was coming. You know, it was when the shiny stuff kind of fell yeah, out, yeah. and you know, things they all started breaking apart into their own entities. Right, and that's when it, you know that's when it kind of happened. I think that's where I started getting some work then. Um, and so for me, great. You know, I was getting to do some illustration work. Yeah. That's where I got to come to you and grab some. Um, assets, you know, mm -hmm. posing figures for me and then working on them over top. So really, you know, that was the fun stuff. Mostly it was Fallout uh, 2 stuff, you know, bit of Baldur's Gate. Um, and yeah, yeah that's the, the for the MMO. It says the logo and concept creation for various games. Um, packaging. So you did the back of the box and you did the box art and stuff too, right? Didn't do the box art. I think the hard out of someone, another a concept artist, which also like was like you know for me like oh how do I, I sat next to him as he did kind mm -hmm. of and was like how are you doing that now so got me inspired more to be a concept artist because still I was stuck uh, doing what I was doing did web design still all the other stuff I was doing but getting to do some illustration work but when I saw the concept art he was actually working like a concept artist you know I'm still working like an illustrator sort of you know um, finally painting things where he was throwing loose stuff out and I was like whoa you know how are you doing that. Didn't realize Photoshop had a bunch of other crazy brushes I could have been using the whole That's time. That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, <laughs> this is in 2000, so I know Photoshop was out. Yeah. And so did that, Did you try to incorporate that into your workflow, into what you had to do daily? Yeah, I, or did you s stick with the traditional and then only use that to, like, let me scan in my work and then try to do something on top of it? No, I was kind of working most. I was still drawing things, sketching things by hand, um, doing drawings, sometimes elaborate, and then putting them in, scanning them, doing, like, a grayscale painting. Um, but I was pretty much just using Photoshop, you know, um, and didn't explore it enough though. I was kind of using like an airbrushy technique. Wasn't you to real? It was like what you learned from that graffiti wall you're talking yeah, about a long time like, ago. Yeah, almost was afraid to explore that. You know, there's brushes that kind of look like oil. You know yeah. what I mean? So at that point, I wasn't doing enough exploring in mm -hmm. Photoshop. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I was still daunted by technology a little bit. You know what I mean? Still, because again, for a traditional artist, somebody who was painting barn watercolors. Mm -hmm to go to be in like sci-fi space stuff it was, you know, a, not a leap in my mind. I can always think of those things, but just in trying to put it into Photoshop, you know, convey that message from my brain to have it come through as well as it might by hand, you know? Yeah. That's interesting to bring that up like that. So, um, what is that thought process? I haven't heard anybody speak on it like that, which you just said, which is, you know, you're trying to convey it to your brain to put it, to lay it down in a in a program as opposed to when you get the canvas in front of you which are which are traditional mediums right, you can right. just do it so what what is that breakdown or what is that thought process i've never heard anyone say it like that before it's somewhat very similar in that you have a brush and you got to explore what that brush can do if you twist it and turn it 
right? Um, so you load it with paint, load it with different amounts of paint, and see what, on a real canvas. This I'm talking about. See what it does. See your reaction. So you can say, oh, the, when I do this, it kind of looks like a tree. If I do a little of this and this and this, I can make a tree with this brush. So you got to go to in Photoshop and you got to explore the same avenue. What's this brush do? Ah, this gives me a squishy, watery look. Okay, got to document that in your mind that that's your brush for squishy, watery mm. things. You know what I mean? So you end up loading into your mind just like you would traditionally what your brushes are capable of doing, and then you got to call in those tools when you need them mm. as you're painting. And I think the the crazy thing about Photoshop is that you have like thousands of these right. brushes now, as opposed to like I can only really afford ten in, of, in the real world, right? Yeah, sure, sure. And that's the dangerous part. And actually, in the real world, you only need five, mm -hmm. right? And I think in Photoshop, you probably need five too. Right, you get overwhelmed by the ability to paint with these cool brushes, and I do too. I make tree brushes, rock brushes, you know, and they're fun to scatter around. Can create crazy cool abstract stuff that you may never have been able to create with traditional work, right? Because mm -hmm. um, you're splattering things on top of things with colors on top of things that don't work in the real world. Mm. Um, so you can really create really cool stuff, but you can get caught up with that too. You can get caught up in trying to use those brushes to create a whole painting, and they lose a little bit of life sometimes. So it's it's tough, they, you know. Have you ever tried to? Together. Have you ever tried to challenge yourself of um, doing something traditionally and then trying to mimic that in the the Photoshop or in the tool just to see? Because you know, That's a good you lesson. know the extent of right. what you can do on a canvas, right. and like just do whatever you feel is like this is my best I can do for whatever your subject matter is for that painting. Right. Have you ever thought about doing that and then be like, okay, recreate that in Photoshop? Like without yeah, doing that is you know. a great lesson. And that was a lesson I learned actually traditionally was when you don't know how to paint as a traditional artist, find something you like and you try to copy it. I mean, it's fine to copy stuff. That's how you learn, and that's how I learned traditionally. Yeah, so, it's like I, it's more like reference. That's yeah. what that's what people would say instead of copying. I mean, unless you're doing it verbatim, which what we're talking about now, but you're doing it verbatim off of your work, right? Um, but yeah, people people use reference and things from other people all the time. But it's adding that 30% or more to make it your own. So you right. know, it's important. Yeah, and part of that is that I think you know, brush strokes are your style, sort of, you know what I mean? So how you move that around is you know, how you interpret the image hmm. through those brush strokes. That's cool. That's pretty cool. So as we keep going, it looks like uh, after Interplay, you went to Walt Disney Imagineering. You were, Im you were an Imagineer at Disney. Uh, was it at this point that you were like, oh, my God, my foot is in a big door <laughs> and, and like what? Let's keep this going. So what, yeah. what were some of the things you did here and were some of the experiences that you've encountered in the past reflective of this? Because you're, you're going back to conceptual artist, which is what you've always done as an illustrator. But a lot of the other positions you had before this were more in line of um, trying to adapt to the times and working in with websites and working in with right. other things. Yeah, so how, so. how did that go? Yeah, I was more designer. Um, you know, which was what kind of odd is, you know, once I started deciding I wanted to be a conceptual artist, you know, one of the first things I did was, you know, start creating art, but then, you know, call myself a conceptual artist, right? And then I got a call from Disney. Um, Disney didn't apply to the job, but they called me up, said, hey, would you like to come in? I'm like, sure, of course, yeah. Went in and they looked at my portfolio, my traditional portfolio, you know what I mean? Looked at my, I had some printed work in there, but there's still a lot of drawings in a, a traditional portfolio, you know. Uh, they didn't look at a website or anything. So they breezed through it, a group of people, and guy at the end of the table says, yeah, you know, shakes his head, and then I'm hired. That's awesome. And so I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have no idea why they hired me. Well, that's what most people say. Like, they go, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but 
you kind of do, but you just don't know what you're getting into. Right. Is the better thing to say. Right, yeah, right, right. right. So. When I wasn't sure what appealed to them in my portfolio, too. Okay. Kinda, so they didn't, they, they didn't communicate they didn't that to you? Any feedback. Okay. This was sort of um, what was difficult for me. I mean, imagine your first job is with Disney and you don't know the correct uh, questions to ask, perhaps, you know. So I don't know if they were relying on me to know everything to do or if I was relying on them to guide me somewhat. But, but I knew enough questions to ask, like, okay, what are you looking for? Can you give me some kind of style to go by? Which they showed me. Um, some storyboarding work by another artist, you know, which of course Disney guy, an incredible looking. So I'm like, okay, I know what I got to do. Um, and worked there for, you know, several weeks. It was a three month contract. Okay. Like five was different it for, Was it for a particular, oh, so it was for five shows. I was gonna say, was it for a particular project or show? It was five different things. They oh, were wow. trying to explore for the park. Okay. Um, different ideas. And they were kind of getting into a little bit of augmented reality. Um, Whoa, that's way before their time then. What, that was 2007. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they, rally they wasn't were exploring even it, and I don't think they really got into it too far. Um, mm. It was a little bit like, I think, Tom Story's Island, where you look through something and see uh, through those goggles mm-hmm. or through the um, telescope kind of things going on. So it was along those lines on a couple mm. spots. Okay. Um, and You then mentioned it was for the park. Right. So it was for? For our Disneyland here. Nice. That's Anaheim. awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got to go there and photograph anything I needed for the day, which is kind of cool, you know, free pass. Um, and got to walk back scene. So, is anything still there that you were a part of? Because I know they're they're updating the park with the new Star Wars stuff and right, some oh, other things. Done, yeah. Like, so was is there anything there that you've still touched on? Well, here's a uh, they ended up shooting down each one of these projects as they went along. Oh. I think um, the art director, you know, just as we started showing the concepts, they would show them and they'd be like, "Nah, we don't we don't like the idea." So one idea ended up living on and going to full fruition, um, which was like a Toontown map. Um, which had interactive parts to it. You had like a wand where you go around and there was maybe 12, 15 different spots where you would touch it and the lid would open. Things would happen. Oh, that's cool. Um, so it was along those lines and they did a 3D map, top down, looking down at the Toontown area. And what was cool is I took it to, then when I went, took it up to the place um, there, they kind of created it in 3D, like foam core. So they built it up in a 3D kind of mock-up, which was really neat, mm-hmm. uh, the final piece. So that's that was awesome. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. That was fun. It was you know a little bit overwhelming. First time, like I said, just being there, looking at the hallways, the paintings down the hallway, the history, I mean, the, the, the library. So I spent a few days just walking around, <laughs> exploring the place. That's awesome. Did you Have you been to the new Star Wars uh, Not yet. thing yet? No, no, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. definitely want to go. I I'm heard, a Star Wars fan. I've read and heard some things on it that sound too good to be true, like, but I think you have to experience it. Uh, so some of the things are like um, – Everybody there is going to if you're if you're staying there in the hotel. Everybody there has a role to play, and in your room you get outfit. Uh, have did you read this? Wow, I didn't hear that. No. Okay, yeah. So so, so role playing. What? Yeah, exactly. Whatever I mean, it was that everyone there, sure. you can opt in to be a part of this role playing, and what they'll do I is they'll call things to happen, and based on what your role is, if you're an engineer or if you're a pilot, you have to go to certain parts of. Oh wow some of the attractions there right. and play your part and you're getting attacked you're flying through space and that's pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, it's hard, but, I mean i don't know i think i think you have to you're, on, you're on call then to work for them sort of you know what i mean yeah but you're there it's it's almost like when you go um let me see it's almost like when you pay to go to shows if you're going to like a theme park and you're like oh we want to go to the three o'clock show the five o'clock show mm-hmm. and you're watching it, but you're a participant right you're it. part of the experience exactly and so i, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's big what they're time doing. fans who want to be you know a part of that experience right yeah cosplaying basically exactly you know what i mean so, but they off they supply you with the costumes that's, that's the crazy pretty, that is cool i mean i can see i can see a lot of people doing that yeah right? you know it's expensive i know hey i want to build a couple of droids so that's crazy <laughs> and a lightsaber that's crazy. it looks fun 
Yeah, I have to try it out. I don't know when, but I'm definitely have to try it out. I know they they had like blackout dates or something where like if you had season passes, you can't even use them. Yeah, you have to yeah. get a different season pass. And I heard it was just crazy. They are actually controlling crowds, is what I hear, letting mm-hmm. a certain amount of people in. So that's not overwhelming. So that's yeah. cool, actually, because the last thing you want to do is get there, wait four hours for something, and yeah. that's all you got to do. You know, that's cool. Uh, that that does sound good because I think the last time we went down there to the downtown Disney area and going into the park. If it's overcrowded, you're not gonna have fun. Yeah, you're it's, right. It's pointless. Right, and then, know. and then you won't get be able to take a turn on whatever the attraction is. You're just like, yeah. okay, this you're looks just, great, but I gotta go. Right. You spend hundreds of dollars to do three things. Yeah, that's <laughs> so crazy. Fun. That's crazy. All right. So, conceptual artist, Disney, always a great place to have not on your bad, resume right? work at. I'll take. After it. that, you became a penciler slash digital painter. So, what 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 was this all about? Catastrophic comics. So you went right into comics. Um, yeah, I what mean, happened? freelance still in between. I was still yeah. freelancing this whole time, picking up odd ends jobs for about, you know, in and everything. Because um, I'm still a commercial illustrator, so I still do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then um, a friend of ours um, called, he used to work with Interplay, and he had mentioned it to me, I think, when Interplay is about to go under. He's like, I may be doing something someday. I'll give you a call. And so a few years later, he calls me up, says, Hey, um, I made a movie, put it on a credit card, made my own movie. And I want to do a comic book now, you know. I was like, cool. And he goes, I'm going to start a comic book company. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, and he already done one and was starting up another one. And he had um, an actor, William Catt, from The Greatest American Hero. Remember the old show? Mm-hmm. Probably before your time. But one of the first uh, comic book hero shows that was good. Um, so he was like the spokesperson and also helped create the book. So, yeah, we spent a, a while doing that. I think about a year. Um, lost the investors. Went away. Couple years later, he calls me up. Hey, you want to finish it? I, you know, I, sure, because I've invested so much time in it already. I would love to finish something like this, you know, and, and get it printed, obviously. So I went back to it um, and worked on it for another couple of years, and then it sort of just disappeared again. Uh, the guy who um, wanted to continue it just, the writer basically disappeared. Mm. So without a writer, you can't draw. So that was kind of it. So, so the actual experience of the comic, the story of the comic, wasn't finished. You guys were working, right? Right like piecemeal as he was writing out lines you're like okay here's the panels right at first it was written you know i caught up to that point and the writer was supposed to continue Hmm. uh in succinct with as i'm drawing him but he was you know ahead of me but i'd caught up to him at a certain point Mm. and then i'm like asking for pages and he doesn't have them and then just become incog didn't talk to us wow so you know six months go by and then drops in a few pages and it's like i'm done right away and it's like hold on i'm doing something else now you know what I mean? You're going to have to wait till I'm finished doing what I'm – Yeah. Because you disappeared. Yeah. So it got into a really a sticky situation because I was on a contract. Right. For a year to work on this and finish it. And okay. without anything to do – The time I the time got eaten up. Yeah. So. so the guy wants to continue, and I'm like, well, we're out of the contract. Right. But I was willing to continue it, and we got in a big argument, and the whole thing just fell under. Oh, So I wasn't a great experience, yeah. and I learned a lot. Actually, I learned so much through that, though. I learned yeah. so much about where I wanted to become a book artist because right. I was penciling, inking, and coloring that thing, right? So it was just too much. And I think that was – for them to find a person like yourself to be able to do all that, that's unheard of because yeah. you do have – you have ink, everybody – that's three different roles. You get three different people different to do roles. that. It's a right. lot of work to do. You wanted me to do three pages a week. That's crazy. You know what I mean? That's so uh, I found out that was unrealistic yeah. after trying it. <clears throat> and another mistake I made in this was um, in wanting the job – you know, I drew in a couple of different styles. He had a style he liked, so I tried to kind of go in that direction, a little bit away from my natural style. So it was just more work for me to do then, every time to complete that page, because mm-hmm. it wasn't what I was naturally doing. So I almost had to draw it once, then draw it again in the style it should have been in to oh, match wow. it. And it become a chore. 
is all I can right. say. So you're doing more work for more less work, pay. More work, not sleeping, yeah. you know, not getting enough at that certain point. You know what I mean? Uh, but again, these things are a label I love, trying to produce art, trying to get it out there to the public. So, you know, I'm going for it. That's pretty cool. Those those things do happen, though. They happen like all the time. You, yeah. I mean, you got to keep going. I mean, right? Yeah. You know, just keep going. Crazy, man. Crazy. Not going to stop me. <laughs> Wait, so you did. So you worked on that one comic. It says two years and nine months. So were you on a different... No, it was that comic for, it was spread out though. So it was, it was probably a year and then we got back to it for another year and a half. It might've been total going on around oh, three months, okay. three years. So total. even though the contract was a year, that you, was a year you, to finish put it a, you put that much more time into you, it than right. two years. It was a couple of years before, oh, then maybe a year afterwards, uh, a couple of years later, we picked it up and we were supposed to finish it in a year, like a year and a half. Wow. And so it just, yeah, fortunately the guy could not get to writing it and... <laughs> so it. so six issue run. So did any of the issues get completed? Got, we got four of them done. Four of them done. Right. Okay. So and, those are. And you, the fifth one was drawn out, basically. Uh, it was out. distributed. Never printed. He was oh, gonna print. He was gonna my bring goodness. it out as a graphic novel. Oh my goodness. So I don't know. I'll probably hear from him in ten years. Maybe you, you know. Maybe he got. Maybe when you caught up to him, and he was seeing all the art, and he was like, "Oh man, where am I gonna take this through my writing?" And maybe he was intimidated. I don't know. I don't. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, there were some. But you got four done, so you had two more left. That right. you were waiting on him for, but didn't come exactly through. right. Yeah, and I too, I was curious how because I was also helping write it. It was there was yeah. problems with it a little bit along the way. How uh, was that? I mean, like so now you're talking about you were helping out and writing it. Like that's different than what you've been talking about well, as your skill set. So was that something that when you started working on this project, you were like, hey man, I want to try writing something because I already know how to do the art. Let no, me no, see if I can. No, it was more like a, I think, and I think as a storyboard artist, uh, you know, you get a script, you read it. And some things logically don't make sense as you picture them out in your mind. You're like, how can this work? The words that are written, how can I make them work visually? And there were things written that didn't work, um, that betrayed what they had said earlier in the book. So when I was pointing out like, hey, you said here that this could happen, but over here, this is happening, that it makes this not make sense. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel I'm, I don't want to draw it. You know what I mean? I'm drawing something to me that isn't logical. So I don't know, I was bringing logic to the book and it wasn't working for the book maybe um, in some sense. So I, I then ended up not being able to get a hold of the writer to kind of get back to me, just making the changes through visuals and then the writer not really noticing, <laughs> you know? Wow. So you can tell it just wasn't, his heart wasn't into it. I think he was busy right. doing other things and just couldn't concentrate on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Too many yeah. things going on. And that happens. Sure. It definitely happens. Sure. I don't blame him. I told him I'd willing to finish it. And now we're back to where we are today. So what are some of the, what are some of the things that you want to share about in retrospect, not changing anything? Cause I think everybody's story is very special. So it's not about changing what you've encountered or experienced, but <clears throat> what are some of the things that you can let people that may want to go into conceptual art or uh, go down or maybe are in the same path you are in right now? Right. What are some of the things you would, you know, let them know to like keep focused on or to do or, um, yeah, because I, I have my opinion. I think I think one of the I think one of the things and I'll just say this. I think one of my things is um, when that new opportunity for technology comes around, dive into it. Sure. But what? One of the but, first people. But what? What? What would you say to like some of the people that maybe you know in the same? Well, situation? especially nowadays. I mean, I still have maybe a crutch of being a guy who thinks of things traditionally in some sense. But I know everyone now, like young people now, aren't even working so much traditionally. You know, they can dive right into the computer. So I would say, yeah, if you're more technically minded, um, then continue that. Obviously, things change so often. Every year, probably. I mean, things are updated. Every so, six months. <laughs> right. So you really got to you know, keep up on those things. Yeah. I'm probably not as an artist so strict. You got to be using like the front end of um, technology unless you're doing 3D, right? Um, like concept artists are doing 3D nowadays. So, 
but we're still giving a painting in the end a lot of times that is more fresh looking you know than a, a, a real crisp 3d piece um, so you always got to kind of just convey your message, really. You want to get your thoughts across, you know, your ideas. So those can be done still in a variety of ways. You know, they can be done through thumbnails. They can be done all the way up to the 3D stuff. So I would say you just got to work on your ideas being something that are wanted too, right? Part of being a concept artist is you got to have great ideas. You got to be cool. Um, there can be great artists, but if your ideas aren't really that neat, you know, nobody's going to want to kind of spend a million dollars developing that building for a 3D structure to go into a movie or something, you know what I mean? So you got to work on cool ideas. You got to study what other people are doing, other people's processes. Um, that's how you learn sort of what's what's cool out there, you know what I mean? Always find artists that are way better than me, and they inspire me. You know, I mean, like, how is he doing that? Okay, I got to try harder. I got to explore a little bit more. So I don't think you're ever done. And an artist, I think, typically is an experimenter, right? I'm sure some of them find techniques that they do their whole lives, but I think they're still always experimenting with something on the side, right? It gets dredging. Have you, have you ever, because what I've seen from a lot of concept artist people, character and environment nowadays, they will go into a 3D program and take like a, either a, a puppeteer type character, mm. pose it out into something that's that. just, yeah. um, something that you w would find difficult to wrap your mind around to start posing out proportionally. For a character they'll sure. do it with that and then just take that grayscale out into right. photoshop and then draw do a paint over on that, that do you so do that easier. type of thing for your I, artwork or i have not started that and actually i'm going to start doing that mm -hmm. <laughs> like almost immediately because it it helps um it alleviates a lot of um i mean stuff that i probably rely on naturally studies of nature you know mm -hmm. lighting um they give you those things in the program mm -hmm. none of that i think the real sort of the great thing about it is the camera being able to move that image in around it. Like if, like if I draw something. I'm Getting the perspective the way you want. Right, right. And then painting it Shifting over your it. camera around with the lighting and then mm -hmm. finding the perfect position to put, you know, for your painting. Whereas uh, traditionally you, you would have to draw a spot and decide if that's it. You know, really invest into that one drawing being it. Um, you'd do thumbnails and stuff, but, you know, they were much more complicated. It was much more complicated to it. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of breaks nowadays with just kind of pulling up 3D stuff. Um, yeah. So I definitely learned that program. Makes it easier takes away a lot of the things that may be mistakes. Obviously, all you're doing on top of that. Then the perspective type of mistakes, like if you're... Perspective, some lighting too. You get lighting yeah. information there too as well, you know? Yeah. So really, I mean, some of the best art I've seen, I'm always like, whoa, how did they do that? And you look under the layers of it, and it started with Modo or some kind of mm -hmm. basic 3D structure that they just kind of shaded. Yeah, people are using plane. like substance now for like their shading and texturing stuff. Right. I noticed the guys don't take it far though, and conceptually, um, they keep it real grayscale. They really photo on top of it or paint. I think the program actually helps them out a lot too. I, so I, like they'll they'll do like whatever not not a template because they're making it, but I think they rely a lot on the program to make it have that feel they're looking for. Like there's right. a lot of filters and stuff that you can use that right. that aren't bad. Like I remember back in the day, people were like, "Stay away from the Photoshop filters. Don't use them. They're not that right. great." They were you know? cheesy. You yeah, could they tell. were cheesy. You know, right. they were they were just created for fun, like mm -hmm. essentially. Right. Um, like our camera filters. Exactly. So, but now people, um, they go and create things inside of Substance and like they just use it as like their template. They'll make it as a, not a brush, but as like, um, what's it called? It's uh, like a, like a, um, I want to say a swatch or something. I, th I know that's probably the wrong word, but it's a sphere and that sphere has it textured on it. And right, then that's right. what they use as to use for their textures. Right. So it's, yeah. it's a little different. Um, from what I've seen, but it can become very costly and expensive when you do that as well, because mm -hmm. it, it eats up a lot of, um, 
uh, I want to say when you use it inside of the 3D programs, it can bog down the system a lot. The render time. And the, just the render time, everything. Because when you turn and it's like trying to load in all these different right. swatches that you've made, um, it's like, how's that going to load well? And now you got the character running around. So a lot of times it's good for when you see people doing their flat artwork. But I do know there's been a lot of times where we had to like disable substance within the 3D program because mm. it's it's calling it's making the draw cost too expensive. Mm. So, but but again, uh, the other thing too, uh, when it comes to environment art, I've seen people do the layout of like just primitive objects to get their perspective and all their lines in the right spot, mm -hmm. and they'll just take a snapshot of these boxes and they'll turn it into a city right. or a skyline. Or yeah, because like that's that. how they all basic start out anyway. You know, they're yeah. really just boxes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've seen mostly too. I mean, I mean, that'll be my first step. I don't want to get too much into doing a lot of elaborate texturing. I'm just will yeah. work it off as a shading thing and then try to paint on top of it at first. You know, what I mean, I'll yeah. grow into it. Yeah. But that's my first step. And I mean, anybody who's starting out, that really should probably be your first step. Don't go too hard um, as a concept artist because you really don't. I mean, there are people who are. There are people who are doing 3D only now. Mm -hmm. Almost don't know why you call yourself a concept artist when you're handing over the 3D project to the 3D guy and it's almost there, you know. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, the guy's taking it much further, but, you, you know, you're giving them quite a bit of it, which I'm sure is a help. I think a lot of that comes from... Uh, just like how you're talking about the concept artist, you're not really you're not really doing it by hand conceptually. You're doing it inside of a program. But a lot of the 3D modelers, they some of them needed to be damn near verbatim of what the image looks like. And mm. I think that's where some it's of that could be out. coming from. Where these artists, these concepts artists, are now going like, hmm, I, how how close to the 3D model do we want this to look to right. a final product? So, so when we pass it off. There's no discrepancy. There's no sure. issues. Like so you need to make it look like this. Pushes that exactly. The you're gonna have. Yes. <clears throat> or interpretations. Yeah, I've seen. A, I've seen. A, I've seen a lot of people um, do concept work, and you'll be like, "Man, this concept looks amazing." And then when you see the 3D adaption to it, you're different. like, "What? Yeah, Did yeah. you? Are you looking at the same photo? You know?" Sure. So yeah, well, I think that's some is loose. You know what I mean? Yes. It's really suggestive. And I wonder how a 3D artist would figure that out. You yeah. know, some neo futuristic city that's just black with neon. Yeah. You don't know what the heck's going on back there, you know? Yeah. I think that that offers a lot of uh, room for discussion when it comes into like uh, the back and forth. But then that iterative process is what becomes expensive mm. when you talk about in a production. Sure. So I think that, that may be why people Push go the more rendered route for their for their concept stuff. And you're like, this doesn't look like it's hand done or doesn't look as loose as what you normally see. Right, right. Because if they can get it to look as close to what the director wants, it's almost like you give it to that modeler and they just they just have to work. Like sure. they don't have to think about the work. Yeah. They don't have to think about, well, is this cloth? Is this metal? Is this that? It's right. all right there already for them. Right. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah. I actually, as a concept artist, think of that. I want yeah. my ideas to be solid for him to figure out. You know yeah. what I mean? Don't want there to be any like, well, interpretation or him having to call me up going, I don't even know what's going on back here. You know, yeah, what yeah. is this? Yeah. You know? That's awesome. So <laughs> you have... Uh, some work. We're gonna go to your website right quick. Okay. You have some uh, <clears throat> work that you uh, made me aware of. I know this is on your LinkedIn page, but there were some art pieces on here. Um, do you want to talk about like some of these are very amazing? Like, I like what you've done with the lighting. If you look at look at all of them, obviously, but if you look at the ones where you have the house where these two images are like the same, but you've gone in and and changed the lighting up on this and made it look like just two different scenes. Um, do you want to talk about like uh, some of your work and your process and how you get started on um, creating uh, sure, your yeah, work? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been photo bashing for probably the last couple of years, experimenting okay. with photo bashing, mm -hmm. um, along with some painting on top of those things, you know, and adjusting the layers. Um, so these are a result of those. Um, you know, I come from Pennsylvania, so mm -hmm. 
sort of as I was trying to create a new portfolio okay. of environments, you know, I figured, I mean, everybody's doing castles. I've seen a lot of beautiful dragons. This looks very Castlevania-like. That is, though. That did, I do Halloween pieces. I love Halloween. So okay. I end up doing every year something Halloween, and it's one of those. So what inspires vampires. you to create this? I mean, this looks like something you could see inside of those. You watch Netflix, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, everybody does, right? right? But, um, <laughs> you know, they have, like, a new animation oh, avenue so they're yeah. going in. So, like, they have the Castlevania and more hand-drawn mm. 2D, 3D-esque cartoons. Yeah. This looks like that type of work you'd see when they have those Vista shots. Like, <clears throat> So what I'm asking is, what inspires you to, to even make this? Is this from something you've seen in an encyclopedia or a book or a website? Or you're like, ah. Oh. And then, you know, how did you come up with this design or even how to make the bridge go into the castle? Like, all, Is this all this you or was this inspired by a real-life place? or No, it, it pretty much is me. What I always do is uh, when you work with photographs, sometimes you get stuck with using the photographs, right? You find things that are in the photograph that make sense, and you're like afraid to stray away from those things mm. um, because it's already architecturally right. It's and sound, compositionally, and it's good. yeah, yeah. You're it's like, already oh, sound. this is good. This tree's perfect. Uh, mm. You know, but so I draw a sketch, so I stay away from doing that. Um, so then I kind of conform to that little drawing every time. So I drew a sketch basically like this, um, and just knew that was the layout. And then from there, I know the sketch is usually fairly rough. I mm. like to do them within ten minutes. Right. Um, it's just kind of the layout for my head to follow along as I go now, and. Um, but I knew like sort of how I wanted the architecture of the, Dra uh, the Dracula's castle to look. Mm -hmm. So I just then at that point searched the internet a little bit, find churches and castles and things like that that have architecture I agree with, mm -hmm. pull off those pieces and end up sort of piecing together things I like, painting in the parts that aren't there, mm -hmm. you know, in texture and the whole thing, a little bit of photographs and painting. Because I know for people, for people looking at this, I know um, uh, artists that you're inspiring right now by watching this watching you talk about this i know a lot of this you have to zoom in super close to get a lot of these details like you have like the steeples and you have like these little like crosses up here or you know there's a lot of stuff that i know you probably zoom in to to paint that a lot will go over unnoticed by the viewer but when they see the whole thing compositionally they're like oh this makes sense i can i get a sense of what this is so what are what are some of the things you had to keep in mind like i mean are these like bats or these are looks like these are a swarm of bats or something or birds or something right, up right. here that's yeah I, you know i tend to still tell little stories within almost each one of my paintings um so there's a little story here actually going on there's a there's a cart coming in a guy rushing on a horse okay uh, a carriage i should say okay um these are flaming carriages then yeah, there's actually no. It's not flame. There's, oh, there's oh, it's just right here. or what are those burning? Kind I of, see it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, right to light the way. Okay, okay. Then, um, he's there, and I guess he's passing by one. Okay. So there's a there's some text with this. It just says, um, you know, who's this weird guy that moved into some something like this? Who's the weird guy who keeps throwing parties in this house? You know, my girlfriend's missing. I'm going to get her. Something like that mm -hmm. is what. So I'm not telling you it's Dracula, but I'm yeah, alluding yeah. to you know, obviously it's Dracula. So the little story is, yeah, this guy's going to find out where his wife went missing or his girlfriend. He thinks she's there. And then the bats are flying out. And there's one of the bats that kind of looks like a vampire bat, you know, like, mm. like it could be Dracula. So it's just a little story in the course of the town in the background. Yeah. That's so the cool. idea is like this mysterious person just moved into this city and people have gone missing. Yeah. And this guy is like, I, I've heard rumors that something's going up there. I'm going to go find out. That's awesome. So that was my story in building up this image, basically. That's awesome. What about, all right, so we were talking about these. So. Haunted what house. are the what are the differences between this? Um, this isn't just a filter overlay. I mean, you have more more fog and everything down here. Do you want to yeah, talk quite about a bit of difference. Actually, just like I did a weird. And this thing. looks kind of like it could be three D. I like with how you have it uh, textured and how you painted it. So was this all just hand done or yeah, what it was, was again um, a rough little sketch of a haunted house, um, somewhat designed off for a haunted house. 
I had gone to in my hometown of Pennsylvania that was near a high school. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of what brought this image about. Mm. I remember that place. Um, and they've since renovated it into a real estate. So it's it looks beautiful. nice. Yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. But, but it, this is what it looked like yeah, at one point. Yeah, it yeah. like that. But it was an elaborate, color, really cool <laughs> home, Victorian-style mm-hmm. home. Um, so, yeah, and it was just sitting in the neighborhood, too. It's like you go through a row of houses, and there's one that's a haunted house, then you know, more houses. Mm-hmm. So I wanted this one to set in the neighborhood, just be a house that was derelict. Um, but it has – the night vision has, like, 18 differences to the day. Oh, wow. And those are, like, um, like the creepy fog coming out, opening the gates, like mm-hmm. a hand. Mm-hmm. Um, the – jack-o'-lantern in the right-hand corner is wow. kind of coming up yeah, coming yeah. alive a little bit um the swing is moving uh, there's like a ghostly sort of thing all oh, right i see it's off to the side so these are things that are happening at night um, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, that's cool so in the other image they have different things happening more or less um oh i see it's hanging just more straight down. it's straight just almost nothing's happening yet so yeah, I, yeah. in my words i say hey i hear this house is haunted when i go to the dark one i'm like you better not go in there at night um so that's they all have funny. a little bit of story to them that's and cool. and really these this whole oh there's about sixteen of these little backgrounds I've done, and they all have a story. They, they all link together as a one big story. Um, so I was trying to develop a portfolio that might stand out right for environments, and instead of just doing a bunch of stuff that was randomly different, you know what I mean, like a barn and then a sci-fi castle and then you know a dragon or something like that, I wanted to make them cohesive as if we were in a video game, one game. So I was kind of imagining, okay what if this guy drives into this small town and everybody's gone, right? So I got a couple images showing this person sort of driving to a store, 7-Eleven. All the lights are out. Everyone's gone. He just is like, wow. And he ran out of gas. So he's got to walk to another spot. And from the one, the scene, you kind of see where he should go to the next one. Like there's smoke in the background. Mm-hmm. So logically as a person, I would be like, okay, I'm going to head toward that smoke next because that's all I see where something may be happening. So then the guy goes there and in that scene is the next painting and there's smoke and it's, say, some hay on fire at a barn. Um, and so he explores that. You would explore that area in the game. Um, and there's hints in each one of these paintings as to what's going on. So anyway, story leads through different sceneries, mm-hmm. through this town, all mysterious, all leading you sort of in a di- different direction too. Hint of aliens, hint of uh, the resurrection, go to the church, everyone's gone. At one point they think the resurrection. Uh, but it has something to do with technology in the end and the military base that's in this town and an experiment. Mm-hmm. So it builds into that. So anyway, the story leads from going into a real world, gets into a little bit of sci-fi at the end, underground bunker, and that's where it ends. Do you write all this all this out and use it as like your roadmap when you're doing your yeah, art? Sure. Or, or is it, or do these stories kind of come about as you're creating the art? You know, as I was doing these backgrounds, I'd, I'd done like four, and I was thinking about this along the line sort of, and then decided, you know what, I'm gonna turn this into a story. I'm gonna try to create a portfolio that's a story as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, most um, people who look at it aren't going to see it. Mm-hmm. You'd have to spend a little bit of time to follow through. But for me, I love to build story into each one of these images. So I figured, yeah, this will be fun for me too to build a story within a portfolio. Have you ever thought or gone down the avenue of creating um, children's books on your own? Like from having a kid and getting into the library more, much like I'm pretty sure you oh, have yeah. too. Every weekend, there's a lot of uh, content there that's created in it and you know a lot a lot of it is based on like learning alphabets or learning you know numbers and stuff like that but then there's some that are like these little stories um where they're just illustrated about like you know what would you do with a problem was one of the books i think i read to my son and um there was just one artist it, and it's weird because each page may have like a phrase or one sentence on it mm-hmm. but it's mostly about the art and um it's talking about how this character 
you know, do I need to get, do, should I get mad when a problem comes up or how should I handle myself or how, so it's kind of teaching you what to do when there's a problem right. and, and what you should do is just approach it, you know, approach the problem head on and mm -hmm. be positive about it and mm -hmm. try to figure it out. So I thought that was kind of cool. But when you're talking about what your, your, um, your pipeline of sorts, uh, and how you have a story related to the art pieces that you do. And so you want to have this vibe. Have you thought about doing that? Cause it seems like that would complement very well yeah, over I, into I, creating, you know, I and books are still huge as far as like, sure. what I mean by that is like, you know, you get on bestsellers, like, you know, and get Oprah's stamp of approval. You know, you're, <laughs> right. go, you're golden at that yeah, point, true. right? It so it takes one, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like a hit record. Yeah. I've, I've explored those things. Actually, I've started a little book about my son. You know, when I had my child, my son, okay, okay. Um, I created a book of Marcus that had just his mannerisms, you know, that I thought actually applied to every kid. So I started to create a kid's book that, you know, and it rhymed. It was Dr. Seussian type. That's cool. You know? um, and I thought you could leave blank spots and have them fill in their child's experience there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I actually explored that. Did quite a few drawings. Um, and then just probably the comic book or something else came along. Took me out of that mindset. Um, ah, okay. So that was a yeah, personal project. It was a personal thing, right? It wasn't really. It was one of those things, again, that starts out as drawings that then for me explore into stories. Then how can I expand on it? You know what I mean? I'm always trying to develop any of these drawings. I wanted to put as much sort of um, depth into them as I can. And so I do that by developing a story where I put pieces of stuff that, you know, if you look at it, like, oh, why is this spider over there? Why is this over there? Yeah. I built all in a story for all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the same thing. I started building a story of, like, what was cool about my son, the funny things, you know, about him. The other thing um, why I bring that up is, uh, have you ever heard of Bookaboo? I haven't. No. Oh, man. you got, All right, so... Bookaboo was pretty cool. I think it's a UK-based thing. Mm. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, it's a puppet. It's a it's a, a live-action puppet, and he interviews people. And these people are like stars of TV shows, like some of the biggest stars mm -hmm. on the most popular shows at the time. Mm. And those stars will read the story. But what happens is um, they would have the illustrated story come to life where now when they when they're like sir such and such get out of my castle like they'll actually have instead of it being a, a page in the book where you can get this book from the library and see what they're actually doing they'll start animating it and like using flash or something else to like make them stretch and talk and move and walk around right. and bring the book to life yeah yeah that's pretty cool stuff um i think they're on like they got a quite a few seasons in their belt but that's something that's like yeah man that yeah. i mean i know from what we're talking about here and what we're looking at, like uh, your passion sounds like you want to get back into games because of the love and where games are going. It, there's a lot of them are becoming so much more realistic. Yeah. Um, right. But um, I do know with your uh, mastered level of illustration, like there are some avenues out there that are still popular and gaining popularity with this new generation coming out. That you know, I've seen um, crazy. You know, that was part of what I was going to explore. Actually, when I started painting with procreate, I wanted mm -hmm. to get away from Photoshop for a while um, because I've started using so much sort of photo bashing mm -hmm. that I want to get back to a real painterly style. Um, but get back to a little bit more whimsical style too. Like, you know, yeah. it's just stylish, a little more stylish. Um, Cause I've seen really um, those styles seem to get a lot of attention, right? Like yeah. you check out um, Art Station, different challenges, and there's guys doing incredible 3D work like we were talking about. But there's also a guy doing a really cool animated style that's completely painted. Looks like it probably took him half the time, right? Um, that's getting just as effective views and likes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just as popular. Yeah, there's like so. the Pete the I don't want to promote any of this stuff, but there's like stuff like Pete the Cat, and like there's a lot of stuff on Amazon Prime 
that's very like like kind of more whimsical drawing and right, more right. fun for I don't children. Think that stuff's ever gonna go away. Right? It's I never mean, gonna go away because it's hard cool to make that in 3D. That's the thing. It's very difficult to have that translate hmm. over in 3D without it coming across as weird or wonky. Yeah, right. Um, but there's there's a huge avenue for that stuff mm. and like in and a lot of times it's like those people are in the best place at the time because a lot of the artwork doesn't look that hot it's right, not right. that great yeah and right. so they rely on story or then sometimes the story is not that hot but you're like man the animation and the art on this looks amazing like why don't they have a good writer yeah. so it's one of those scenes where it's like dude it, it's so vast i feel and it's all because of what our son has opened us up to to like watch these things because mm. I wouldn't be watching this oh, stuff. True, right. um, even though I love cartoons, I have yeah. a set of cartoons I like to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also one of those things where it's like, you know, it's something that I think if someone with that master level of professionalism went into it and actually did it right, it would definitely propel that market to up their game mm. because what i see there is like there's a lot of stuff that it's so whimsical and so like half done it's like um beavis and butthead like not even in rena Stimpy, it's not even to that quality it's like right. below that yeah, yeah. Wow. because it's like they just had an idea and they're like let me just do some art you know i don't have a right. budget or whatever right. and you're like man could you imagine if it was done with well. a little bit yeah well yeah better <laughs> right, right, right? right yeah it would be crazy and, it, and then that's when you get into that powerpuff girl because when Powerpuff Girls came out, I was in college, and that's a very whimsical style. Right. But you can see they mastered that; they made it very simple. The line work was yeah, clean. It was a cool style. Though. It was it was very I mean, very iconic. Like um right. very um, we were talking about clip art. Everything looked like it could be a sticker. Yeah, you know, they were simple, were big round circles everywhere. You Great know, design. Right. Great design. So like when you see it animated, you're like, holy crap! Like everything, every motion that they had in there. Each piece could be a sticker or a binder or a folder or a lunchbox. Like it is like each still of the show looks like it could have been something, mm. and it was like that right. was a huge show, yeah. um, and it came out of nowhere. I remember me and my group, a group of guys, were all sitting around. We heard on Cartoon Network that it was about to come out, and we're all sitting there at night waiting for the launch of this show, and we're we're looking at you like, dude, because we we thought. You know, we're going to school for animation, and so yeah. we're looking at this stuff like this is gonna change the game of cartoons. You know, you got um. Samurai Jack, yes. who came out right. as well. And we were like, man, all these cartoons are changing. Cartoons now are way different yeah. than when we were in college watching that new batch right, of cartoons. Right. But you're talking about hardcore fans. We were all like grouping together and watching those shows yeah. because it was very amazing. Stylized. They were very yeah. stylized. Like the very old Batman stylized. that was very stylized. Exactly. Yeah, and style is something that, I mean, you got to nail that. Otherwise, you know, if it's just a little off, it cannot be appealing. You know it's what, what I mean? makes it iconic. It, yeah. It's what makes it timeless. Right. And you so. almost don't know that until you hit the public, right? Yeah. Did that style work? Oh my God, it worked. Or like, uh, we missed it. That's crazy. Yeah. What are some of the other things you want to talk about? Uh, in your, uh, I don't know if my mouse will go all the way over there or not. If you want to drive. Oh, let's see. Here. No, it's cool. You just might want to put the, you might want to swivel the mic around so you can swivel it. Yeah, just like that. Yep. Yep. There you go. Cool. Let's see. Well, this is a traditional piece, so I was okay. kept talking about traditional art. Okay. This was, uh, you know, watercolor. This is the way I used to work. Um, so actually, I've always been fairly tight. I mean, mm -hmm. watercolors are known to be sort of blurry, you know, and really suggestive. This is what. So this is scanned in. Yeah, this was a scan. My parents have it. You know, it's something I did. I actually did this in high school. So in, in high school, I was, you know, a fairly good traditional artist. I mm -hmm. got pretty good my last couple of years, and got my scholarship to school at the Art Institute, um, where I continued this kind of stuff. Actually, mm -hmm. entered this into our art. Um, art Institute's, oh sorry. You into can swivel it back around. Yeah, yeah, into the Art Institute's um, 
student art show uh-huh. and, won, <clears throat> and won an award with that, mm-hmm. even though I did it in high school. So I yeah. kind of cheated, but I changed the date. Um, That's cool. Let's see. Yeah, I think it's over. So, yeah, I come from country towns. So I did a bunch of these little barns at one point that, you know, were in high school. Um, but, yeah, what you see is digital work, mostly what you got through here, a book cover I did, um, me basically exploring. This was Illustrator, kind of using Illustrator to. That's awesome. You know, um, for some of, some of your pieces on here, were you using what was hip in the times to come up with what you want to do? Because I think you said before you were in the process of building out your portfolio, but you're building it out based on the story that you came up with. Right, yeah. So I actually wasn't thinking like, actually I was thinking along the lines of what I wanted to see mm-hmm. um, and a little bit of what I had don't see much of in video games. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a little bit of um, maybe um, Last of Us, you know what I mean? The feeling of that game because it was paid, played partially through Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area through that game. And as I played that game, I actually got nostalgic. It reminded me a lot of home. So those drove me to kind of do these type of backgrounds. It was in my wheelhouse. It's what I was used to. It's my backgrounds I sort of grew up in. Um, so I felt sort of, let me get back to something that's gonna be easy for me to do, mm-hmm. really, you know, rather than try to do something crazy sci-fi concept, you know, um, mm-hmm. a, a you know, crazy city or something, which I do like doing too. Mm-hmm. But I just went back to sort of home with mm-hmm. these paintings okay. a little bit. Okay. And oddly, it's what my parents like, you know what I mean? Like right, my right, parents right. have never liked any of my work. So but, they finally, do, but they like that. But they like these because they're kind of country a little bit. <laughs> they're like, finally, you've done it, son. <laughs> right. These look amazing. <laughs> right. Until I explain to them, like, it all goes to hell in the story. They're yeah. like, well, well, okay, no. <laughs> That's funny. Because a lot of people are doing, like, the cyberpunk stuff now. I've seen a lot of people cyberpunk. doing their portfolios geared towards that yeah. because that, that game, it looks like it's going to be a hit. Please. So it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's it's one of those things where now you're going to see that flooded into the market of seeing people's yeah. portfolios looking like that. And but I know. but does that inspire you to do things like that? In yeah, your portfolio I've already or? got. I've already drawn a couple of drawings. Okay. I want to do, um, <clears throat> I want to do like a neon, futuristic garage, mm. car garage. You know? Okay. So I want to explore a little bit of. Um, you would get old school still, but then you got some flying cars, so the cars are hovering into mm. okay. get fixed. But then you know the city looks sort of traditional now. Gotcha. But as you step back, it gets real, you know, elaborate and sort of sci-fi. So I Almost look- Minority Report-ish because yeah. that was a blend of like, it still looked grounded into like right. today's world, but then you still have that Jetsons, like people are flying yeah. around. And, and really, that's, I'm kind of grounded to those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, not that I don't like sci-fi, it just goes way out there. But I always kind of like solidify my ideas in reality. Where would we be in 50 years, really? Mm-hmm. We're not going to get rid of every building that mm-hmm. was built 50 years ago you can rotate it back around sorry so so with the mic with the mic no you're good you're good with the mic what you'll what you'll notice is that <laughs> like when i'm doing my tutorial stuff i'll, I'll, I'll be i'll be like this and i'll go like okay now we're gonna do this and then i'll be like okay yeah da, da, da. Right. so yeah you can totally like, like swivel this thing it. around yeah, yeah get comfortable the mic is an extension <laughs> DJ. I, I <clears throat> so but that's cool so yeah i see that uh you do have some pieces that would complement yeah, i enjoy sci-fi. sci-fi there's no doubt about it i mean i love sci-fi movies all that yeah. stuff um i just went back to kind of my wheelhouse and building this like i said an environmental portfolio mm-hmm. you know i didn't want to i just didn't want to spread them around to be a bunch of 10 different pieces but what are I've, some of the what are some of the companies that you are looking towards to either apply at or what companies have grabbed your attention where you're like, I would like to work on that because of X or because of, you know, what they're known for. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what I, are those companies? I would probably like cater my, like my art so far. It looks like it would go toward like a last of us type game. So, you know, not, um, Naughty, Naughty Dog, Dog yeah. you know, somebody like that because Sony, yeah. Somebody Sony who's, anybody who's kind of really that my artwork would fit into their world. Right. God of War. Um, 
yeah, I either need to build my work to fit into the company or yeah. take my work to where it fits. Um, cause you know, you don't want to bring something completely out. Right. So I did these because these are what I enjoy. And, and if I got a job doing them, I'd still enjoy them. So those companies are where I'd send those, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People who are looking for fairly realistic backgrounds, rural backgrounds, I guess. Um, not that I don't like the other stuff and I would love to do those too. Just, you know, this is what I guess where I would send this portfolio, mm-hmm. right? If I did a whole sci-fi portfolio, whole different company that's doing those type of games. Right. You, know? you still got to tailor it towards them. Yeah. Yeah. Unless, um, I mean, that's what I figure is always best. You want them to be able to see almost directly what they're looking for rather than search. Like, will this guy work for us? Yeah. They do that still with like, even in my discipline too, in animation and yeah. in modeling. A lot of times though, they try to see if you have been keeping up with where the studio is headed. So like, even for like right. call of duty, like they'll be like, Oh, we can get dime a dozen people to do military animations. But if you do something along the lines of military animation, which will be more along their series of like the advanced warfare or something like that, where you're like, whoa, like the way you made this transform or the way you made this do this, right? we haven't thought about that. That's usually what will catch their eye as opposed to being like, hey, here, you know, from speaking from my background, right. instead of just doing like military animations or like the, the Arma type of suite of animations of what a soldier would do, right. that's not going to impress them. They they already have that. that. Yeah, yeah, they they have that. The, you know, right. they want to see you know things. what happens. What happened? Is where did that drone come from? Did that come off of your back? Like right. did that come out of your sleeve? What what was that? Yeah, yeah. You know, so doing stuff like that to push the envelope is mm-hmm. kind of. So I was thinking like, is it? Do you think that's similar for? Uh, doing the concepts as well do you do you guys have that type of um uh thought process when it comes to applying not just doing the artwork of like last of the the um uh dystopian type cities or broken down areas is it more of like add a twist to it or or is it or is it more do what you know they're making um when it comes to concepts for consistency you know well i guess i mean not sure I understood the question exactly. So, so yeah. So what? So what I just explained was like you know for animation they want to see us push the envelope. So is you mean the concept where they, like if they were to say hey Jeff do a Neon City they want to see me push that envelope of what a Neon City looks like. That's what I'm asking. Like is that how you would approach that? Uh, would you do well, the sure. same thing? I would of, probably start out almost just flooding the ideas I have right. So it almost for me it starts out with probably a traditional idea okay. maybe like I would just get it out of my system. Like I want to paint that traditional. So I'll concept a rough of that idea just to get it out. Then those ideas, you'll just follow up with an idea of like, okay, what if this was in there? And then that idea draws. So a lot of times I'll draw ideas, draw onto another idea. They mm-hmm. kind of build. Mm-hmm. Um, and parts of that can build. They can be parts of a city that work, and you'll grab that chunk and throw it into another part of a city that works, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, the story building into it, I still want to, what's the story of this city? Why does it function the way it does? Why is it smoking? Why is it acidic rain? So I almost want to try to tell you that on that image somehow, right? Mm-hmm. And it might be, banners in the background some words it might be something in the foreground well it's details for me in those things it might be the guys holding a newspaper maybe in the newspaper it says you know fifth straight year of acid rain because of blah 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 mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you get explanations within it um so yeah i push the boundaries in that sense um and of course you get feedback on your work guy says push it further then of course like that's where you might build abstractly you know what i mean if you want to really get a wacky city then you make a brush that has those shapes mm-hmm. you build a try to use in different gestural shapes and strokes to kind of get a really city you might not have designed if you thought about it right Um, have you had to do um i'm asking this as like a a question just for like any 
uh, concept artist type person. So like, do you guys have to do tests at all? Or do they just go from your portfolio and then go, oh, okay, yes or no? Like, do they actually test you? Yeah, you know, most something? of my experience has not been test. I have had okay. a couple of jobs where I did come in and I drew something for them, mm -hmm. um, you know, as part of the submission and seeing if I would matched up to, a, you know, the other guy oh, okay. or whatever. Okay. But that's only been maybe two or three. Um, the rest of just I've been hired. By either they've seen my work or word of mouth, mm -hmm. right? Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know. If, I didn't know if you guys went through that same kind of I think, vigorous. I like think. I think it happens. I mean, it, it certainly happens. Um, I don't know. It probably happens more when you don't have enough work to sort of build that. What mm. they don't not sure maybe what they're going to get for what they're looking for, right? Or they might be going down a new path and they're like, hey, you know how would you approach this you know show us some of the art right right but oh, i think okay. once you do maybe 20 paintings of some like a rural background yeah and if they were to hire me to do a rural background they should be able to look at those and know what they're getting right they'd be like yeah point. this guy knows what he's doing right but if they were to say hey you got 20 rural paintings but once you to sci-fi then i understand they're mm -hmm. not sure yeah. what they're getting right yeah um but you almost want them to hire you for what you're really good at rather than put you outside your box yeah right you want to be in that comfortable space did you watch the newer i am legend um, Did you watch that movie with Will Smith? Yes, yeah. That has a little bit of that Last of Us feel to it as well. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, it does. Totally, yeah. Walking through desperate cities, you yeah. know, and just nothing around. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to tell that my story, and it was hard not to do overgrowth. Mm. You know, it was yes, really hard. They have a lot in there. Yeah, and it's fun to show buildings yeah. that have plants all over them. So in my images, I my story all takes place in one week. So mm -hmm. there was none of that. It was just electricity's out, and why? Where did everybody go? Hmm. So you were left with just cars laying about, you know, things like that. But you, there was no. I think that image is up at the top, right? The one, the one that you're talking about. Yeah. That one right there, right in the right. Right. So yeah, this is a part of as you're walking flooded through out. the city, you would catch this flooded out area and not know why. Um, there is a newspaper hint here, a couple little hints. Click it, click it. Let's make it larger. Nice. So here's a question for people that are looking at this and um, they are unsure of how to even approach something like this. How did you start with this? Is some of this a photo? And how did you compose an image like this? Like, I mean, like, how, how would you approach this? Like, how does it start if you had a blank canvas? What were, what's some of the first things you do? Again, it starts with my little doodle, right, to kind of get my mind a focus of what I'm trying to achieve so I'm not scattering myself, like, mm -hmm. with other thoughts that come in. Mm -hmm. um, so I work out the composition roughly. Um, and then, um, again, these are photo bashed and okay. painted on. So this is um, my hometown of Beck and Carlisle where I took a lot of these photographs from. And um, these are the actual buildings, uh, how the structures are laid out? Or? Very similar. I took parts of buildings I liked. Like, uh, it's sentimental to me. So there's stories in there that are, I recognize as I grew up, but they're not where they would be in the town. Mm -hmm. So I took different parts of stores and, and put mm -hmm. them in this street. Okay. The theater, um, those buildings wouldn't be next to the theater, that, you know, those things. So once I get sort of the basic perspective of the street down, um, I start sort of putting in fronts of buildings um, and putting them into perspective You're if fine. they weren't. Yeah. Um, and adjusting them and then painting over them in spots where it doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, and essentially that's how it builds. And you're just building it um, till the photographs sort of get laid in there roughly mm -hmm. it looks pretty crappy actually and then you start merging lighting you start merging everything together you start filling in seams um you start getting everything to kind of cohesively look well together mm -hmm. um and then you call it done so how did you build out how did you build out the perspective on this when you when you did it do you have like a, a layer that you hide and unhide all the time that yeah there's a there's almost like um 
because I can see, I, I obviously I can see it all going down to the vanishing point of like your buildings and stuff like that and the cars. But I'm just trying to see like how how do you have those guidelines on there? Is it is it an actual? It would be another layer perspective. Like it's working from a photograph, probably a base photograph mm. that had the streets. And, and not necessarily the buildings I use, but the buildings on the side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then I just sort of grafted new buildings on top of those. Gotcha. Um, and, and took the water level and raised it up so it was in halfway, you know, on the buildings. Um, and, yeah, ran it off into perspective in the background. That was kind of it. Wasn't um, nothing really crazy elaborate, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. There was lots of layers, probably like 250 different little pieces oh in there. Oh, my God, that's crazy. That I kind of, you know, cut out and put in and then repainted birds. And now, here's a question. Did you use, because you are an artist uh by trade is your first thing do you use a lot of the blend options that are in photoshop or do you create the stuff from scratch um because the blend options will give you like a lot of different uh things you can do within a particular image if you right click on the layer but i know like when you get to like this level of artwork like you probably do you just create it all by scratch and like you don't use any of the right basically yeah kind of created i didn't use a whole ton of blend i did just photographs that were not matching up um mm -hmm. and again i end up painting quite a bit onto them too mm -hmm. great we graft in sort of a texture like if i got a brick texture i'll get it flat and then i'll lay it on there you know mm -hmm. in perspective and mm -hmm. then shade it to where i needed to um using some tools nice um and essentially yeah and eventually draws to a conclusion you know you get to the end of what you're trying to achieve um there's lots of subtleties in this too there's mm -hmm. birds there's fishes you can barely see under the water mm -hmm. um there's that bubbling water which is supposed to have Again, when you get to this point in the game, you're like, what the hell's going on in this town? Because we also yeah. have freak weather. Mm. So you're just like, it's freak weather. One day it's snowing, the next day it's flooded. You don't, you know, you're just like spooked by the whole experience of going through yeah. this town. It's like that's your, uh, a POI. It's like, what, what is causing that? Yeah. And I want you to ask those questions as you walk in each one of these scenes. Like, well, you know, and he's asking the questions. The person who is sort of narrating these, this, you know, the person walking through the game. That's cool. So th did you do this for a particular job or was no, this, again, a, this was for your just personal work? Building, okay. I started building a portfolio of rural backgrounds and okay. just decided to link them. Mm. Nice. Like I thought, what would be more fun for somebody to look through? Different paintings that don't met, meet together or yeah. let me take you through a video game I just invented. And, yeah. gonna, and, and if you're going to hire me to do backgrounds for a game, they're going to be probably you know, consistent throughout that game. Yeah. So let me just show you what I would do with a whole game. You know, yeah. here's, the, here's the backgrounds. Here's the no, scenery. that's important. I th I've seen in was interviews for portfolios of people where you're like, what do you want to focus on? Because it, it's yeah. all over the place. And, and you're just like, my, what is going on? That's been my problem. As you said, I do logos, like websites, like spot mm. illustrations, commercial illustrations, storyboards. Yeah, but your website is laid out pretty well. Your website is laid out where it shows, you know, uh, a plethora of things, but it's not it's not like you have this image next to a clip art. Well, I got another thing. website. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got all that on there for other clients. Oh, okay. Because right? okay, okay. I've, I've heard it overwhelms them to see too much. So yeah. I've had to separate things. And even on yeah. that website, I've got six buttons with web design, spot illustrations, yeah. commercial illustrations, the different things I do, storyboards. I think that's common, though. Because like when you have a website, you're like, i got to put everything up there. You never know where the work is going to come from. Right, right. But uh, for those people who are looking for something particular, like they're being very – you know, I want, we want this. They do need to have it catered to them where yeah. they, like, you don't want them to get lost over like, what am I looking at here? Sure. No, I want you to look at this. Especially so. with conceptual art. They don't want to see anything else but conceptual yeah. art. So I definitely had to separate that from everything else. Yeah. I got a whole other website with probably 10 years worth of work on yeah, there. Yeah. Was there, was there, was there more work on your site that you want to look oh, at or see. want to go over to like, uh, help people understand how to approach certain pieces? 
These oh, maybe nice. are not photo bash. These are okay. what I would do maybe traditionally. So this is, you know, done just again, you can almost see the underlying sketch on this. But done with a sketch. Cool. I actually did bash in a blurry photograph of us. Uh, in the background, right? Right. Is that like from Mad Max? Exactly. It was a Mad Max. You know, when I started um, doing conceptual art, trying to be really better at it and studying other people, I started entering contests. I think mm. this was a Noman contest mm. uh, entry that I did um, and through art stations. So I continue to do contests just because I'm competitive. So I like mm -hmm. to match up against mm -hmm. other people. See Are those like a month each? Like there's some yeah. that they go like 30 days. They're usually monthly, right? Uh -huh. I haven't done a Noman in quite a while. I've been kind of concentrating on art station uh -huh. now. Um, but I got a bunch of great DVDs through Noman through winning some contests and learned a That's lot. That's awesome. I basically self-taught myself all, you know, everything I've done so far. Um, so yeah, this is a little bit it's on the other side. You had to bring the mouse over this way. <laughs> no, here, let me see real quick. The mouse is uh, it's on the other screen. There it is right there. You want to close that one? Yeah. All right. There <laughs> okay. you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The mouse got lost for a it, second there. Sporty, yeah. There's like different kind of other things that I like to explore. This is mm -hmm. a period where Frazetta, I guess you could say, was kind of exploring that. Um, you know that those sci-fi those kind of felt like if you go back up those kind of felt like Dark Souls you play any of that yeah 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 this kind of has that feel to it like especially the guy you're hovering over right now right. yeah this was kind of like my death dealer ripoff guy um, so these have a little bit more creatures and things that I also like to do a, a friend of mine is writing a book mm -hmm. so he gives me his characters to do which I enjoy doing really see there's like characters from his book mm -hmm. a couple book covers. So when it comes down to doing uh, character work like that with a, a colleague, how much input are they giving you to direct you to for the look and the style of things? Or are they just asking you, like, hey, this is what you do. Just make it look good. Like, how much how much direction are they giving you? It's a little bit of um, – I was hoping I had a description there. I think it's probably on LinkedIn. So I get it. It's a book. So the description is written within the book. Um, so it can be brief. It can be like, as he described her in the book, you know, he could say – you know, she was a robotic female figure who, and, and he'll give her backstory to me a little bit, but it's kind of s simple. It's not real, mm. you know, she has a, uh, maybe a sci-fi look of what someone in Congress would wear, roby kind of thing, you know what I mean? It'd be like that. Well, how um, much iteration do you go back and forth with on that to nail, to really nail it down to what they want it to be? It can go back and forth. Um, so, like, I've had some that really none, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll draw out a sketch, that's it, you nailed it, boom, and I draw the final. I had one where I recently did where I had a hard time getting this cyborg girl down who was, like I started explaining, um, in like a Congress or um, um, she was like a judge or something. And so she had the award kind of a judge-like sci-fi outfit on. So you had to bring in elements of that clothing that read as that, but were not that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Hints of it that were hints of sci-fi, um, robotic head. So I did a lot of iterations before I kind of got to the final. I probably did so like it's like, so the way I would interpret that is bring in something that would make the viewer think oh this is a judge either through color or how the you know the the cloth is folding right. that would make them think that looks like a robe for a judge right and instead be, of it being so blatantly like it's a judge right right yeah exactly mm. you don't want to be blatant um because it's a sci-fi so yeah, yeah can't be just like a war a, a judge's outfit now yeah with um just oh you cut the sleeves or something you know right what I mean? So it was it was designed and still had to feel that way. Um, and we went different directions with it. Wasn't sure if he wanted her to be sexy or not, so it went from robe to sexy a little bit. Um, we, so we explored things. Um, and that's really where you can spend time. Mm -hmm. um, so they can be simple. They can take time, I noticed, with characters. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And it's really 
maybe outfits. Hmm. Like I tend to nail down the face, the body pretty quickly. The outfits you can explore right. different variations endlessly. Right. You know, if you want. Because they could be in numerous settings throughout the story. Too. Sure. Yeah. Right. Especially yeah. With not eight games, we have ten different costumes for each character. Right. Yeah. So you really got to be able to come up with a bunch of them, and they got to grow progressively to be cooler. You know what I mean? Like stage one outfit can't be, you know, doper than stage ten outfit. <laughs> have you done um, many character lineups? That shows like either the silhouette or like you said, there's 10 outfits just to show like here's one character and this is what it looks like when they're in each of the 10 outfits, like on one splash page. Much of an exploration because I typically like a book has a solid sort of here's what I want it to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm sort of stuck that one sort of basic image Mm -hmm. and exploring that. Um, So for the book, it hasn't been like that. And I haven't I've. Um, done some NBA character basketball for mm-hmm. freestyle, and they were just again one character with a specific look, mm. not ten different outfits for that one. I think for that'd be fun if you were showing it, like if you were showing like for games, like let's just say Naughty Dog for example. Um, I think it would be beneficial to take your character or take a character and have them go through a progression of, you know times have been getting worse and worse and then how that character looks because when you look at joel from last of us um there's that moment where like everything was okay you know is everything is still pristine right. looking and he was he was fine well joel is the dad joel right, is right. so his watch um his watch was new that he got as a gift from his daughter ellie and then uh, not Ellie. Ellie is the other girl. Uh, the watch was new as he had, and so. But when you see how time progresses and how uh, the story takes place, he still wears the same watch, but it gets more damaged, right, more right. Um, broken looking. Sure. But he wears it because it's sentimental for him. Yeah, yeah. But then he, you know, his his skin isn't as clean shaven. He starts mm-hmm. to have scars and yeah. But you're Wear showing that progression of like even his clothes to everything. So like that type of thing would I think would be important. So like. Um, even even with your characters here, you know, with this guy with all the armor on that you have, um, it could be important to show like what does he look like as he's getting ready for battle, right? Without the know, stuff without on. the stuff on, just right. so you can really see the proportions and what you're working with. Um, it'll almost be like how they had the mountain in Game of Thrones mm-hmm. when you know they take that mask off of him and he right. has this disfigured face, but then they put all the armor. Yeah, on Yeah, that's like, just as cool to see, right? Yeah, you want to see that actually. Yeah. What, what's underneath there? Yeah, yeah, I should do that. These were probably one spot illustrations, me just exploring a little bit of you know Frazetta, I guess. Mm-hmm. But you're right; I almost want to see what's underneath this guy's mask here because he's got some messed up mouth, you know, with his helmet over him. Yeah, so yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. And I've done some of that with other characters, like mostly through this book. A lot of times with these personal illustrations, I do. I don't do enough of that exploration. Mm. I get a vision in mind, and I just focus. You just and do, do it. the piece, right? I think yeah. that comes from being. You know, years as an illustrator, you don't get any time to concept. Yeah. Right. And as a comic book artist, I got no time to concept. Mm. It was literally like, here's your script, you know, get it done. Right. And you're concepting on the fly, mm. which isn't a great way to concept, in right? In tandem. Yeah. That's, that's very tricky. Yeah. It is because I would rather spend time. That was my fight in the comic book. Yeah. Let me. Is there explore. a lot of. Um, I know how concept is used in pre pro in games, but with what you've been working on for like uh certain shows and books and stuff is there a pre-pro process that you guys go through as well before you just jump in and like start creating the art and that pre-pro could be as an example uh when we already talked about the iterative process you go back and forth with with creating that female character Mm. um that would be considered like your pre-pro until you get ready to be like, okay, this is what it looks like. Okay, now I'll draw out all the panels you need for your book. Right, right. Um, But in other things that you worked on, do you have a pre-pro phase? 
or not so much? It's a lot of discussion. I mean, I like to get as much information as I can, mm-hmm. and then I draw rough sketches. I like to start out really kind of. If it's a these fake, are sketches that you share with the client, right? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it's I mean to the to the point where they're good enough for them to get something to um, either say yes or no to mm-hmm. keep going in this direction or not. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to invest too much time, right? So I want to give them some sketches to say either I guess if it's a figure. Um, there's a silhouette, there's a pose, there's kind of something that gathers that information. And then there may be like more detail, a rough turnaround or something. But none of it is like spent too much time on, right? Mm. As quickly as getting the idea across. Run that past them. Am I on the right you know, trail here? Sure, that's it. They make suggestions. Then you just go. Mm. And then, yeah, there's feedback back and forth then. Um, and you can gauge. You, you will kind of get a sense of whether or not you're nailing it. You know what I mean? You can go fly through it or, you know, we're not sure yet. And so you still need to kind of make sure you get things okay back and forth. Hmm. As a freelance artist, um, what are some of the things that uh, people going into freelance need to keep in mind as far as like, um, one, managing your time, but when you're talking about that interaction with the client, like what are some of the things that you should keep in mind so you don't get screwed over or you don't get taken advantage of? Because your time is your business. Your time is what's, you know, paying you. So you don't want to put yourself in a corner, but what are some of the things that, you know, people should be aware of when they're going into freelance since you've, you've done a lot of freelance. Right. Well, I think, um, one of the keys is communication with these people at first, right. Um, get an understanding of what their budget is, right. What they want for their budget. Um, timeline is important and whether or not you're a good fit for the art that they're asking for. Uh, I think it goes back to, again, if you say do have established a specific style, then you kind of want them to hire you for that style. That's the best case scenario for you as an artist. If they come to you and you, again, paint a bunch of rural stuff and have never done a sci-fi, but they, some reason, want you to do a sci-fi, you should question, like, you know. Why what, are they picking me? Right. Okay. And what is about it, my art? And, and get specific now. You're going to ask them, what is it about my art that you see that could be sci-fi? And that'll help you guide down, oh, okay, I kind of see where they're seeing, and that'll help you narrow down your focus. Or you'll see what they like, right? What drawn, right? What drew them to you? A little bit of mistake I didn't make. I made with Disney it was not finding out what it was they were focusing on that they liked. You know, and it wasn't that. Um, it was my uncomfortableness. Everything went well. I just was uncomfortable. Yeah, and you talked about out, that too. The uh, process even, was scary. For yeah, me. you talked about that. You were saying like, you know, they didn't really say anything, and you didn't really say anything because right. you're like. Yeah, and everybody's then, professional and I think there was a lot of maybe some assumptions made sure but yeah and I mean, people I noticed that just people are busy there so they weren't yeah. always there when yeah. I had questions they weren't there that day you yeah. know what I mean so it was just I had to rely it seemed like I had to rely on myself yeah it sounded it sounded like one of those things where a position where you get hired and they're just like okay go with it you're a professional we're all professionals right. Uh, you'll ask if you have a question, but if there's no question asked, they'll look, they're going to probably right, think right. that, okay, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's, right, right. that's probably, that's what it sounds like. So it's, it's great happening. to ask questions. I don't know if you can over ask questions. It's, no, it, I don't think They you make can. you feel comfortable. Yeah. So as long as you start feeling more comfortable in what you're, they're asking you to do, that's key. Um, you know, a lot of it is a, a freelancer is your time too. You got to be able to space out that time, judge whether or not you can finish a job under the deadline. I mean, I've got crazy story, uh, you know, that I've got done freelancing, um, one quick one, got a great job to do a thousand dollars per illustration, need seven of them done seven days. It was pushing a limit. Like it would take me around 16 hours to do one of these rights. So I knew I wasn't going to be sleeping, but it was going to, it was seven grand in a week. So I was willing to go for it. Um, and also my daughter had a chance of being born during this period. My wife was pregnant. So we questioned whether or not I should do it, you know, go for it, Jeff. So I did it, jumped on the job three days into it. I put a lot of work into it, barely slept cause I knew 
anything can happen. a lot every day. Right. And things usually start out slow. You use, I, like for me, I'll start out slow and then build like an engine and, and roll into it. Um, so the concepting, the idea wise, first day or two is kind of gathering information. You almost waste a day before you even really get started. So you have only had six days to do seven paintings. And then my daughter was born. And my wife's, hey, come on down. I'm, you know, at the hospital about to give birth. And I was like, oh my God, deadline's gone. I go to my daughter's birth. Completely exhausted too yeah. already, you know. So yeah. I basically show up almost sleeping because I've finally got a chance to have my brain stop working. So I'm sitting there just waiting, waiting for it to happen, barely staying awake. So long story short, everything went well. I got back to my job, finished it up uh, well enough that the guy gave me another illustration at the end to do. Nice. But just you know, hard, hard hours, no sleep, um, and you run into these things with freelance. I must say they happen. Now, they, were you? Have you had the opportunity to pick? The schedule, because a lot of times if people are going to be professional about, you know, tracking time and they ask you to do the piece, like, do they ever ask you um, beforehand, like, hey, how long is this going to take? And then they schedule it out as opposed to just being like, this I, guy, I got seven days. I got seven thousand dollars. I need this done. That's like, where I was at. Okay. He, he was under a tight deadline. He was oh, okay. needed to manufacture something. And I was sort of showing him the concept of this manufactured building that was going to go. Um, and show up at um, NASCAR. So the NASCAR was happening soon. He had to make this meeting. The meeting so he was had like that in a as week. A main deadline. He had another artist that screwed him over. So he just kind of was in a bad position. Mm. And I put myself into a bad position, taking yeah. it when it was already going to be hard, and then losing basically, uh, you know, nine hours, ten hours, yeah. in the middle of it. Yeah. But um, it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. But you get those. I mean, freelancing is, you know, a little helter skelter. You get great clients. Um, you get clients who you just don't understand art. So you almost got to educate them as to what you're doing. They don't understand some of them, how much time it takes to do things. Right. Do a lot of your clients that, um, if you're talking about building a, a portfolio of clients as a, I guess you can say it like that. Do these clients become like family to you? Do you keep in contact with them for future work or have most of the clients you've had been like a one-stop shop where like you do something and they're kind of just gone. Right. It's a bit of both. I've had clients that I do keep in contact with. I try to keep in contact with them, because um, genuinely, I like working for these people. I, I've created something for them that I always feel personal, you know, and given them. <clears throat> so I always like to check on them, see how they're doing, see how their company's doing, actually, um, and see if there's anything else I can do for them, you know, if they need to update anything. So, yeah, it's important to do that. And I certainly get jobs that are one-timers. Like, logos tend to be a one-time job, right? Mm -hmm. People only need those once. Um, I've done uh, spot illustrations that are one-time, you know. Web design sometimes are one-time, and then they don't need one for years, you know. So, yeah, a lot of the work is one time, you know, but I like to keep in contact with people. So knowing where the industry is, uh, what's exciting to you about where the games industry is going in relation to what your contributions can be with concept conceptual art? Well, I mean, they're just getting more and more elaborate, you know, just more and more beautiful. You're talking about like Cyberpunk 2077, you know, um, those games still drive me from even back doing 2D artwork wanted to see the next background, it's even more so now. I mean, they're just so beautiful. Um, so I'm still enamored by the art, the style, the engineering, everything that goes into make a game. Um, again, the stuff you do, like, you know, when you take that polygon character and make him walk and has slight animation movements now, it's crazy cool. So I want to be a part of crazy cool. You know? Have you looked into, like, um, some of that I was kind of leading it into, like, the AR, uh, XR, MR, stuff like that? Have you have you played around with a lot of that with the not a whole lot actually the VR side of things yeah and I haven't done a reality. whole lot no. no I need to explore that more 
Yeah. I just haven't gotten into it. Yeah, because I think that's going to help drive a lot. I think um, Pokemon Go was huge. Right. And they just put out the Harry Potter game where you can be a wizard and it's AR as well. And they're trying to dethrone um, po- the Pokemon Go right? game. Yeah. Mm. And so, like, you know, I've heard already mixed things from people about we didn't ask for this game. You know, like, why is this game being made? Right. That right. was one of the, I think, ones that stuck with me the most out of what people were saying. Mm-hmm. And um, um, there's a huge fan base. But with Pokemon Go, people were asking for that. People wanted a game like that where, why can't I go around and collect Pokemon? So I, I find it interesting that this, you know, the Harry Potter franchise, Harry Potter franchise, uh, took it upon themselves to create a game that no one's even checking for. Mm. Um, so I, I guess you'll see in the coming weeks like how successful it'll be. Yeah. But I think that's interesting. <clears throat> that, that is. I mean, you figured the format of that is working right for the Pokemon game. It's eventually that something else is going to pick up that same format and create something just different that you want to do, right? Yeah. I mean, it always happens. Yeah. The first open world game was like, oh, my gosh. And then everyone had to develop an open world game, sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then when that, that one game came out, like <laughs> you take your, your GTAs. Yeah. changes the game like, right. and then and then you, you only have a few games that try to combat with them i think it was like saints row and gta were right head to head all the time yeah. for a few years and then i think saints row fell off because of the things that happened at thq mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's a big deal like yeah. when when you have a game that'll set the tone for a genre right i know? mean it changed the world sort of you know what i mean yeah. of of games i mean i feel sort of when you play games some of them are corridors you know the rest of them are and you feel it when yeah. you're used to playing a big open world game where you can do whatever you want and then you yeah. get back into a corridor it almost feels isolating yeah so you feel like and i don't i like those games still like um god of war was a bit still like that right um but an awesome game mm-hmm. incredible game still where you talking about the old one you talking about the new one the new one okay. it still had sort of a it wasn't open world in a sense you know you were it was still, a linear storyline right. yeah. so yeah it drove you through what i call you know can- channels and canals you know mm-hmm. sort of alleyways where you couldn't deviate off those at all mm, right yeah. so until you got to maybe a hub's a part of it where you could yeah but it wasn't open world in the sense where gta is just open world yeah. do whatever you want whenever you want right yeah that'd be interesting to see a god of war game that is more like that sandbox open world that'd be crazy Yeah, you know what i want to see a it would have to years. be very vast though because you're talking about mythology yeah at that point right yeah and there's so. a lot of well elaborate stuff going on there too yeah. i've always wanted to see like a kung fu hustle type of mm. open world like a build yourself up you know kung fu dude who could be a, just a typical you know story get mm-hmm. wrong your master gets killed you build up your powers but it's open world you gain you go you know fight creatures gather knowledge gotta go to this mountain gotta, uh, gotta train, go train. Sensei, yeah, yeah. gotta save this town and you know like kung fu hustle's got some wacky stuff in it too you know what mm-hmm. i mean just seems like it'd be fun i've never seen anybody explore that yeah in a funner sort of vein you know what i mean hmm. that's true that'd be cool you know, you crazy, figure what crazy. we haven't seen yet. We've seen westerns. Yeah. You know, we've seen a lot of cyberpunk, but we haven't seen. Yeah, I think the westerns, though, there's a huge market for that. I, I you know, I played Red Dead. I played the f- first one and the second one. The second yeah. one, I did not finish. I, didn't, I couldn't finish it. You didn't I, find it as well, involving? I had a lot of problems with network issues, and I think they knew that, too. But the first one, I was all about it, man. I I, I completed that game You're really talking fast. about online, then? Like, um, like multiplayer? Multiplayer, yeah. Okay. I, pl- I played the story in the first one. I played the story as John Marston. I played the first one completely through. Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. I agree. And then I one did the the online stuff. I, I loved playing that. The second one, 
I started playing through the storyline, and I think I got to the mountain part where you're these huge timber wolves or these wolves you got to fight. Yeah. And they almost kill over. you every time. The yeah, first they're all over the times, game, actually. Right? <laughs> and um, I kind of stopped, and I was like, okay, let me – okay, I, I think I get where this is going. I want to play multiplayer because I want to play against people. And then when I got in, it was not like yeah, they had problems. the first one. I know. Yeah. I did the same thing. I actually played through the entire full story mode of the game. Yeah. And then I played um, the online mode because actually it just came out about the time I finished. Mm. Um, That's right. It did not come. It didn't it launch. It came out late, right? So, and I did tinker with it at first, and I really didn't spend more than probably a week in it. Wow. And I haven't gone back. And even though I've heard they've updated and made it a little bit better, yeah. And I kind of liked the experience at first. I mean, it was cool, but, but I you was know just what sort you're of getting. And I was just sort of red deaded out. I was like, oh, I yeah. need a break now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I need yeah. a different genre to play for a while. Yeah, I need pretty to much same here. Do something different. You know? Yeah, I got to the point where I was. I when I left the Timberwolf area in the mountains. I started feeling like, hey, none of this is going to matter because you're playing the solo. Let's get online. Let's level up. <laughs> you're all about let's online, get a, huh? Well, it was one of those things where, like, I was interested to see where they were going to take it. And I even mm. got the game late because I found out they didn't have online with it. So I didn't even get it day one. I got it later because mm. I, I knew how much fun I had with the first game online. Right. I was like, yes, I need this right now in my life. I, like, I, I, there's no other games I'm playing that's going to give me this. Right. And I was, it was kind of a letdown because mm. it, it didn't, it didn't fulfill that joy that I remembered from the first one. I think sometimes it's so, hard to repeat. I know yeah. even playing this second game, it didn't yeah. feel, even though it's probably just as good. They added a lot more to it. They and did. I think there was more that, story that, yeah. Well, no, well, no. I mean, like f the functionality stuff. Oh. I think they added a lot more to everything mm. that wasn't there in the first one, mm. and I think. It was a little encumbering of like, it wasn't bad to have, but I think everything wasn't fleshed out or explored to its fullest potential. Right. Because they had so much they were trying to put in it. Yeah, That's I know I didn't like I never did upgrade my camp very much, mm. which is I did, a lot I didn't of hunting do that and either. things like that. I was, like that was a waste. Right. You know, you know which is basically months on that. Right. Which is getting different items. I always do that in games. I pick and choose. Sometimes I just don't bother collecting, mm -hmm. mostly because of time. I mean, right? Yeah. I'm, I want to see the game, but I don't want to spend, you know, weeks in it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I want to get through the story. I want to see the beautiful parts of it all. Um, I want to get as much of the story as I can, but certain part I got to give up on collecting trophies, right? Yeah, so. they lost me on in the multi. I think it was in the multiplayer. They lost me on when they told me, "Hey, here's a camera." Go take photos, and I was oh, like, yeah, yeah. "What?" I was like, "I'm not doing that. I'm not. That's not why I'm playing this game. Yeah, I'm yeah. not finna go take no photos of no birds and come yeah, I back was and." Wonder what they what? were trying to do with their online because it did. It failed at first, and then I think they yeah. tried to revamp some things, and I don't even know what really happened. Yeah. But you would think with GTA, it was going to be successful. Like they knew what they were doing. Yeah, but I, mean, I think they still made their money because oh. they got people to buy it. Sure, but I think the thing with GTA, yeah, GTA so Online. Um, they hit it. They hit it right out the park. They knew what they were doing. Well, in GTA Four, they tried to do online mode. It didn't work that well. Like I don't think it. It didn't gel like it did in GTA Five. Right. In GTA Five, they kind of had everything kind of rebuilt in the engine. They had um, everything was a, a lot higher poly. The character story arcs. It seems like they had a really good system in how they can lay out stories and right. and not have it be as linear. Right. And I think when they were like, let's roll this out to online play. It worked out well. Like, mm -hmm. people are still playing that I know. now, which it's, is crazy. Yeah, and they're still giving out content. Yeah, they're still making new content. And it, they're keeping it alive where, you know, normally you got to wait five years to get GTA 6. Yeah. And it's like, you know, this GTA Online has been a nice gap filler for a lot of people right. with these new side missions and stuff where they can work on 6 as long as they want. Right. It'll they come don't out need with to, PlayStation exactly. 5. You know, exactly. They don't need to rush it out because they still have captured people's attention, which yeah. is important. Unlike still what Red Dead did because i thought red dead would have pulled people away 
to play their online and play all their stuff and right. you know it didn't come across i don't i think i don't know i don't know I, um as a gamer instead of looking at it as a, like a person in the industry as mm-hmm. a gamer i look at it as like um they should have focused on what made online successful in the first one got that as a base completely and then slowly added or were more picky about what they added mm-hmm. to make the experience better not so much you can do all these things because you know they'll spend months on trying to get these new designed in these new uh, features that like you said i didn't do anything Nobody on my cares camp. about right oh am i you're telling me i gotta spend money on upgrading the campsite and okay but i need to spend money on other things and like feeding my horse and like right, right. Yeah. doing Giving the stables why am i going to waste my money on a campsite i'm never really there <laughs> right, i don't right. even go there yeah you know so it's yeah, like one of those things where it's some weird. hunting was tied to sending the camp up with items that you know like carpets and furs and yeah things. nobody was and then that made the people more happy to be there it was all tied together but it was just a it was know, too much it was too much yeah and i i get to that point where there's sometimes there is too much in a game to do yeah and you want it to be a little bit more pulled back you know yeah um they walked right up to the line maybe a little over yeah i think people would have got a better experience out of it if they would have kept it um i don't know if you know what rust is um but um they would have done better if they would have said anywhere in the world because it's such a huge vast world you can start start a campfire from that campfire you can go collect resources or get some pelts and make a blanket or make whatever and then you're there or make like a little tent and you're there as opposed to having this dedicated spot on the map that's only for you is weird it didn't make any sense like if i want to go up into the mountains i can't even live up there i gotta ride all the way back down or fast travel all the way back down to here why let me go into one of those cabins that's up there that (laughs) that you play through during the missions yeah I can open the door. Let me go in a cabin. Let me start a fire. Let me, you know, barricade the door. Right, right. And then let me sleep there for the night. Or let me do, let me yeah. use that as my little base of operations where I can pick up and go, put all my stuff back on my horse, and I'm going to go somewhere else. And now I want to fight lions or something, you know? Like, right, right. I think they, I think they, I think they tried to comp- carp, uh, compartmentalize. Wait, I'm saying that word wrong. Yeah. Compart- compartment, compartmentalize. I think they tried to, uh, I think they tried to do that too much. Yeah. And they missed out on what, actually bought gamers joy i know you could camp so. you could set up camps um but they were like they had to be in an open area and they were not everywhere or if there was an animal nearby it wouldn't allow you or if there was people nearby it wouldn't that's allow for you. your main one yeah yeah, yeah 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 so but you're talking about the you do online. get to pick you're correct you do get to pick your your where it is but that's it doesn't move and you yeah can't you're move stuck it. there yeah. and then if you want to go do something you got to go from that point out yes and then if you shot something two miles away you might as well set up camp there yeah now you know yeah yeah i know yeah, it was a great game, but yeah, it yeah. fell a little bit short for me, but I still played through the whole thing. Nice. still liked it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about or go over? Do you want to, what is your website? Is yeah, this jumpers, is my jumpersart.com, jumpers right? Art. Jumpers okay. right? Any of my sites that I have, jumpersart.com, jumpersartdesign.com, um, jumpersart Facebook page, mm, okay. jumpersart on LinkedIn. Okay. It's all monikered with jumpersart. Um, this was a quick, I guess, show you how it works you got a little sketch oh that's cool and then i just zoom into that yeah set up here hit the wrong button sorry for my angle just glaring i can't oh here let me see let's uh, go back go back to this one twice one two i don't think it so i think zooming in will be like if you do like control roll the mouse wheel in got it 
No, it's not gonna do it. It's not gonna do yeah. it. It's not gonna do it. What have we done? All right, there we go. I think this, <laughs> all right, there should be a window over here where you can make it larger. Huh. Okay. Okay. okay anyway. but go, no, but to talk about it though, I think that's I think that's awesome. So see, I start out with a little. You can see a little sketch, uh -huh. and just really on top of that little sketch, I'll start throwing in my photographs, um, and then merge them together. And that's for just uh, a four little scene. But okay, it's pretty simple. I mean, not simple, so you, but you'll find it looks like you'll find um, you'll find what you're looking for right here. Uh, I'm saying right here, but let me use the mouse. You find what you're looking for right here, and these. This is what you're saying is image. Like so, that's like an image of a front of a house and a right. side of a house that you like. Yeah. And then you'll use like the skew or the perspective, uh, the tease or something. Right, yeah, right. Something, something like that. Right. And the then, modify tools, put it in a perspective. Um, huh. And then sometimes things are out of perspective, like the windows. Yeah. Are not correctly there. Do you have to read? Do you just go and redraw that? Or you just go and redraw uh -huh. stuff, right? So you're just going to redraw it. Uh, the roof was out of alignment. Popped in a different roof line there, you know. So the whole, even the side of the building might have been a different building. The roof was from something else. Now, how long will this take you to do? Takes this exact one. How long did it take for this to go from sketch to final product? It starts, they start fast. So almost in a day, I can get it there. And then I like to you sort mean of. You mean get it there? You mean get the sketch there? The sketch there and a lot of the photographs into it. Okay. Um, okay. So almost in a day, I can have the mock-up for you photograph, but it's, you know, a little bit um, just not cleaned up, not painted on yet. So it's, you know, quite a bit is there though. And then I spend another day, another day sort of crafting it, polishing it. And I, if I get it, I'd like another day to just look at it and then tweak Fresh it. Eyes, right, yeah, yeah. right. So really three days. Wow. You know, if I get it, I can, I can do it in two. Um, that's because the photographs have so much detail. That's part of um, you know, what I used to do as a traditional artist is, you know, you would find typically reference. We still reference everything, right? Even traditionally. You would, um, if you were doing realistic stuff. So you would reference it. You might take that image, trace it off on tracing paper. Um, after you got a nice drawing, take that tracing, you gotta flip it over, trace it again, put it onto a board, trace it again, and then that lead shows up on the board now. So you've already drawn this thing three times, and now you got it on the board. And then when you paint it, you're staring at the photograph the whole time, trying to mimic it. So I was like, why, you know, if I'm gonna do something similar to that in Photoshop, it alleviates a lot of that problem, right? Mm -hmm. Why take out the photograph and then try to repaint that photograph? Yeah to be as tight as that photograph, just use the photograph, yeah. right? Just use the photograph, but try to make the photograph look a little fresher. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's so where, that's where I got with these. I'm like, so why? You mentioned too, you mentioned too, uh, that you took photography when you were back at Artists to the Pittsburgh. Yeah. So do you find yourself, instead of like finding images online, do you go and take photos take a lot of things? Photos, right. And then I like to use my own cut stuff. from those? Yeah. Yeah. I prefer to use my own work. Uh, uh -huh. That way, somebody else can't just kind of create the same thing. That's you know what I mean? good. And I think the other thing that, that helps you out with is that um, when people do their searches online, they won't go like, that's this. He took, right. they, this is, these are the windows exactly. from this art piece that exactly. he took in. That's like, good. Like, like that's the Dracula good. piece. Uh, you know, I searched out castles and you might recognize a piece of a castle from something yeah. I took, you know. And that's sort of the, not the problem, but you know, what you, what you run into. Especially when you show it to other artists. Right, right. Yeah. People who are doing the same thing yeah. you are, just looking at photographs all day, right? That's so good, I man. prefer to take, I take a lot wherever I go. And of course, I love environments, so I'm taking a lot of environmental stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and in cool. buildings. And I'm looking for ways, every time I look at a photograph, each one of those photographs gives me, there's sort of, you get a vision from it. Like, oh, I can visualize this in that photograph. And you, you know, you work from that. So it's cool to create photographs because they can inspire you, you know, to create those environments. That's awesome. So it's and actually it's good. That, that's good for you to build your library as well. Of, library of artwork. You're staring at information of lighting constantly, you know, which informs the mind. And when you go to do it, you should, you know, start to mimic those things. 
Yeah, cool. it's good to do. I mean, and you're, I'm sure you know you stare at people moving. I know things moving, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I think it gets. I think it gets a little crazy uh, for the people watching because people always assume like, "What you staring at? What you looking at?" <laughs> and you're just, and you just have to be like, mm, just oh, turn I, your head a little bit. You're like, I'm, I'm not the same way. At you, so. I, I mean, I'm looking at people the same way. I'm yeah. looking at the way they're built. Uh, people are built so oddly differently. You yeah. know? So it's. But like, I think people. I think what I get sometimes uh, when I'm looking at people, sometimes I, I'll watch how they conduct their their job so like when i like i went out today to go get some lunch and i was looking at everybody behind the counter working mm. and each one of them had a different job different right. role they're doing but i'm just watching them and i think they look at it as like who's that creepy guy looking staring at us at right. staring at us right but i'm looking at like how this person's carrying these objects or conducting business at their register with another person right, and right. the mannerisms they have of like all the fidgets all the adjust, readjusting them and i'm looking like man are they uncomfortable like is are is the clothes too tight sure. like you probably get something? good at reading people too huh yeah it's, like it's, you start to it's recognize. very strange yeah yeah body body language right, and stuff. Right. yeah so it's 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 crazy but then you'll see some people when you stare um you're staring because it's just second nature for what you do right but then you'll get people that they'll they'll make that eye contact with you and then, and then you they're not it. but they're not weirded out by it. they're just like okay you keep looking. you're like <laughs> okay wait a minute there's a line that right it, right well, i think we both approached a certain line <laughs> that we gotta now we need to step away from right. and then that's when i'll be like, okay i'm not and gonna, for I different reasons maybe you're exactly like, oh, no. <laughs> like, i can't look at this person anymore because they've noticed me looking and they're okay with me looking right. this is some great territory i don't think i want to sure. be here right now so they, <laughs> yeah so then i have to you know turn my gaze somewhere else which is pretty hilarious i run that all the time so. shooting photographs yeah. i'll run into people at parks and i'm shooting the park yeah and they're like why are you taking photographs of us and yeah. i'm like it's really not about you yeah you know but people think you're one you're focusing on them and i'm yeah. not you know what i mean yeah. it's pretty funny yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> but it's our job it, you know we are yeah. staring at things we're trying to notice as much as possible about life so I want to say thank you very much You're welcome. for coming out here. Thank I think you. this has been amazing. Um, I think you've given us a wealth of information to, to chew on. And for people looking to get into industry, looking to get into concept art, or people who even have an illustration background, these are some of the things that you've experienced that I think you have been able to help guide them to make certain decisions or to do certain things to get where they want to be. And so, you know, man, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, I really do you, appreciate man. you taking the time. I, I really appreciate you having me. It's fun. It's awesome. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I hope you guys learned something new. Thank you very much. Have a good night.